Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pact, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. Earthpack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Just live. We believe a life is meant to be lived to its fullest potential. In order to do that, you need to feel at your best, both physically and mentally. We founded this community to share what we found as professional athletes that can help people of all walks of life. So you can go out and do exactly what you're supposed to do. Just live. Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky podcast. Woo! Our guest this week... This guy is responsible for creating a brand, a company, and the ultimate source for exceptional performance surf equipment. Exceptional. Created by surfers for surfers. Whether you're a kook like Lyndon, a local standout, aspiring pro, or going after world titles like two-time world champion John John Florence, future fins are responsible for making you surf better. Hands down, they make you surf better. Fins are an important part of surfing. Right, future. And we're going to get into that. Their motto is focusing on product instead of relying on the next flashy advertising campaign while being authentic, challenging the status quo, and standing for the evolution of our sport. We are pumped, and we welcome to the show Vince Turtle <laughs> Longo. Woo! Future fans. We're Ride in, futures, bitch! We're, we're in HB, right? We're still in HB. Kind of, this is Huntington. Yeah, this is Huntington. This is no, uh, wait. Well, that's North really good. Did you write that? He's I, pretty I good. Did. I do. He's pretty oh, good. Thank you. That's the only thing he does for the show. Though. You gotta email me that. I'm done. <laughs> hey, Lennon, take over. I'm done. Beat her up. Dude. Say, you know, hype you up and get you all yeah, yeah, no, cozy over there. Now. Sure. now we're going to pick you apart. No, I'm just kidding. First of all, it's been a couple years for this to happen, right? It has been a couple <laughs> I've been bugging you fucking... It's the only reason why I'm doing it right now, because I just want you to stop bugging it's, me. Right? You could have got him off your back by just giving him a couple sets of fans. No, would, dude. Would have you for we a wanted this fucking <laughs> story. We do. We want to we hear it. We read it to you all the time. We, you yeah, know, no, I, 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 it's fair. That's why I'm doing it. But thank you. <laughs> all right. But um, yeah, thank you for finally sitting down with us. We just took a tour through the future Finn's office. I Factory. mean... Factory, it's it's dope. Yeah. And we're honored to, to sit here and hear Vince Turtle Longo's story. Story. Let's um, start at the beginning. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you surf? Yeah, so yeah, so I grew up in Arcadia. 
Nice. You know, Arcadia. Like, yeah. Like, by Pasadena. And Eagle Rock and, you know. No, it's um, um, Pasadena, Monrovia, yeah. Yeah. top of Monrovia. 605. Yeah. That's where Bob Hurley's from, right? Yeah. Oh, not Hurley. McKnight. Pasadena. McKnight's from Pasadena. Yeah. yeah. Huntington Drive. Huntington Drive. Huntington yeah. Drive's right. real close to Baldwin. Doherty. Off of Doherty, Baldwin. Yeah. yeah. I know the spots, dude. Come oh, on, dude. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> Jay, I'm, I'm always surprised with Jay. All morning I've been surprised. Yeah. <laughs> Lyndon's like, who, what, where? No, I'm just kidding. I had uh, some, I, I, I dealt with some retailers out there, and I, I, okay. I would side street off the you know, the 210 because it's such a yeah, crappy think, freeway. I think we had one surf shop in San Marino. I think that was the old, the closest surf shop. What was it called? Uh, I think it was San Marino Surf Shop. Oh, wow. I Probably still not there anymore. I yeah. think uh, that whole area completely changed. Yeah. You go back there and you won't recognize it. Well, I'll give a shout out to uh, Ocean View Sports, uh, Ludwig. Ludwig. He's out there and um, and uh, it's still powering boards and, and still got the shop open. Yeah. And he's in Montrose, so a little northeast. Yeah, I don't know where Montrose. Montrose. It's on the other side of the, like... I guess what what the one ten would continue. Oh, that's way the two. Over there. Yeah, that's the two. way over there. That's, but, that would be considered but it, far from the beach, but far a surf from shop, the beach, you know, yeah. which is very rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so it was about it was about twenty six miles to Seal Beach. About that. to Seal to Seal. Okay. Seal was the first place you'd come to off the six hundred five, hmm. and so that's kind of where where my well where I'd go with my friends. Friends' brothers would drive us down there. Um, but you know, uh, probably the first time I ever stood on a wave was on a kneeboard, and my parents rented a house in Newport Beach. Nice. And there was a kneeboard in the closet, and that was the first time I stood on a wave. Do you know it was a kneeboard? You just knew it was a board, didn't you? Yeah, I think I was eight years old. You're like, I got a board. Wow, look at young. <laughs> yeah, young to to find surfing. I mean, for well, Inlander. that was that was the first time, and I think. Um, now was there surfing going on, like that day or that weekend? Yeah, so my no, no one in my family surfed. I think it was just we were at the beach, the board was there. That was the first time I ever stood up. But that, and that, you stood up that day, that weekend. Yeah. Wow. I, I had a lot of experience behind a boat. Like I learned how to water ski when I was like six. Mm. So and then you know standing, we had boogie boards. We'd stand up on the boogie boards behind the boat. Okay. So when when I got there, that was it wasn't a big deal to stand up. Hmm. But I think my parents were super turned off from surfing and just beach culture after that trip. Yeah. <laughs> after that trip? Yeah. yeah, after that week. What was going on that turned them off? I think it was just too much partying. There was a full party. I remember yeah. I have this one Newport, memory. Summer. Come on. Summer yeah. of college kids like raging. Raging. And they're. I Those remember the being in the, in the front seat of the El Camino with my parents, and they were like, and I think my dad bumped the car. And oh, it was just, shit. And there was some mayhem going on. But I think from that point on, I was really discouraged not to surf. How fucking funny, though. So you got to think, but this the, is the 70s. But yeah. that was kind of the the vibe back then, because they were kind of out. Surfing was like an outcast. They were kind of like a rebel you yeah. know, kind of sport. and it, Well, it wasn't really sport. It was just... Well, you think about that. It's probably not even surfers... Causing the them havoc. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it was like college yeah. kids raging yeah. against the machine, smoking weed. And, and drugs. I think there was a lot of yeah. weed, and they saw that, you know, and I'm the fourth son of five. Wow. Five yeah. five, so I'm number four. <clears throat> and so I had a bunch of older siblings, and my parents went through uh, their issues with my older brothers with yeah. drugs and whatnot. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura, and now it's electric. 
Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Uh, and they saw surfing as drugs, and yeah. you're not surfing, and yeah. nowhere. Uh, you know, can, you, can I get did, a surfboard for a No. Did your older brothers... Surf? No, none of them surfed. None of them ever none surfed. Of them ever none surfed. of them ever found it. Yeah. Huh, okay. Yeah, so it was like I had to really find it. Yeah, I had to try. And I remember the first board I bought was, a, it was a, must have been a, shaped in a garage. It was an old board. It was so the, so going back to that day, you just watched people and, and yeah, I just kind of understood how to catch waves and yeah, stand up on your yeah, own? Yeah, it wasn't a big deal. Hmm. Right, you're water safe. You're, you're a water skier. You know how to yeah. swim. And, yeah, and yeah, waves weren't that big. So waves weren't that big. Just small dribble. Yeah. Because I mean, dude, learning how to surf is fucking impossible. Yeah. If no one taught you like yeah. the basics, I mean, learning how to surf is pretty. I don't know. You kind of just watch and you kind of go, okay, that's what they're doing. They're paddling and you know, it's all watching and kind because of because you're you've been a natural to it though. But dude. I think yeah. when you're a kid, yeah. It's not that you don't weird. overthink it. You, you just you just do it. Yeah. I think if you're if you're gonna learn as an adult and try and stand up, yeah. you guys, it's super it. fucking hard. Nobody <laughs> should do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So so it wasn't really. I didn't get bit by the bug. It was something I wanted to do. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I liked I liked boogie boarding. Um, so I think the first one was it was must have been like a seven somewhere in the seven six range single fin. Terrible board. Your parents discouraged I, it, though. Discouraged it, and I think I kept it at a friend's house. And say, we're going to the park or the mountains. And well, we no, we'd go to the beach, yeah. and my mom was a redhead, so she didn't like the beach. So anytime I went to the beach, it was always with my friends. You know, back then, it was like, they didn't care. There wasn't a lot of supervision. You know, we, yeah. had, to be, we had to be home for dinner, and that was yeah. it. Yeah. When the, when the streetlights came on. That yeah. Was it. Yeah. No check-in. We had to be going for dinner, and then they count. Okay, there's five kids here. <laughs> <laughs> or four, because my sister was really, you know, little. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, wow. so so it wasn't a lot of supervision. So How old were you when you bought the board? Uh, I can't remember, and I can't remember, like, the details of whether my friend gave it to me, and I kept it at my friend's house. I remember it had Surf and Destroy on it. Surf and destroy. Yeah, surf and so, destroy, like skate. You know, it was like it, we're skateboarding was kind of more yeah. accessible to us. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So were you an avid skateboarder? Yeah. So I, I, my, uh, 
I grew up with Eric Nash and Jeff Grosso. So Jeff Grosso. Yeah, they're three years older than me. Wow. And they're both from Arcadia. And they who's were, the other guy? Eric Nash. Eric Nash. Yeah. Was he a prominent skateboarder? Or? Yeah, Eric Nash was was up there. You know, with Jeff, they were really good friends. Yeah. Um, and hmm. so that skating was really accessible. Yeah. And you know, you probably guys, you guys got hills and probably killer spots. Yeah, and, we do. We had a lot of lot of downhill skating, yeah. so we did a lot of downhill skateboarding. And then Eric, you know, he was, both those guys were, were pros. I mean, and Grosso was probably getting paid 50 grand a year at like 16 or 17. So crazy. Back in the day. Back so in the day, a lot of money. And, uh, and Nash had a big, huge eight foot uh, half pipe, you know, 16 feet wide. So we were able to go do that a lot. Cool. Yeah. So surfing was like something I did with my brother's or my friend's brothers, like anytime we got to go to the beach, we'd go yeah. to Seal Beach or whatever. It was just something that wasn't wasn't bit by it at all. I remember the first time we went to Huntington and my friend's parents bought him a board, a Carl Hayward. Nice. Yeah, your, right, right your off. Your friend's of parents bought him a board? Bought him a board. And okay. I was like, I forget. I don't remember how old we were. And I was like, yeah. oh, wow. Yeah, probably yeah. Was nice. Nice. So, you know, he went yeah. surf and I boogied next to him. And Main Street was such a like epicenter and a fun place to like, you know, oh, like, Surf City back in Surf I mean, City and yeah. geek out and be yeah. like cuz there's how many surf shops were on there? Like 30. Street. Like, yeah, 30. I can't I can't remember Shaper, which one it, was. it was all shaper driven yeah. shops, you know. Yeah. Like there wasn't like the big retail stores that we know today. So your buddy like, got a board. It was pretty exciting for me. To yeah. Be there just to the, be there. Just to get yeah. Look yeah. Good board. I was all stoked for. But after you surfed at eight in that summer trip to Newport, when was the next time you were able to like surf? Like, I can't. I can't remember. It was when. So my. But you were hitching rides at Silver Beach, not too far. Uh, my friend's brother was probably three years older, four years older than us. Yeah. So sixteen. And then you're so I was probably 12, 13. 12, yeah. 13. And they they were like Seal Beach bound every. Weekend. Yeah, Seal Beach was the closest. We did a lot of uh, go down after school and go at night. Mm. You know, and surf surf like be you know we weren't even by the pier. Just the the sun would already set. And yeah. Try and surf for about an hour longer. And the concept of swell, I didn't really have that concept. Yeah. You know, <laughs> none of us did. was always like yeah, just oh it's I different. Tell, I tell my spoiled kid like dude you. What does it look like? Does it matter? Get yeah. your fucking suit on and go yeah. surf. Yeah. Like every day is good. Yeah, it didn't kid. matter. It didn't what, matter. What you drove all the way down. You're gonna yeah, and and it was cold. You know, I remember when I got my license, I drove down a couple times, and the wetsuits were terrible, and but you just end up surfing just shit. Yeah, yeah. just because there's no night. surf line. They, there might have been nine seven six surf. No, no, that was not even then. Huh? Not even yeah. that. Yeah, nothing. Huntington had a. Lifeguard, you know, lifeguard number, five through six nine three zero three. I think I don't know. Maybe that's it. They still have it. Um, but yeah, they call it, hey tides, barometric pressure reading, and you know, uh, temp- water temp. temperature, and you know, it wasn't you know, they'd update it. Like well, yeah, I think before before I never got into nine seven six surf, but what I got into is um, later when I was like uh, living down here as a weather radio. Weather uh, radio. Yeah. So you just I, I was waiting to hear Noah. I was checking out the. No, you just click on the NOAA weather radio and they run through the buoys. Huh. And then you can kind of like gauge it. They tell you the temperature of the water. Yeah. So so going back. <clears throat> so surfing wasn't like it was just something like, you know, you just go do for fun. Yeah. It wasn't. 
were you it wasn't big you were into body. skateboarding did you do like um, organized sports and stuff or um, yeah Pop Warner football all the way up into high school yeah and then um, were you good you know I was small but I was good yeah, yeah. I played all the because when you're small you play the safety and, so, and yeah, yeah well, when, we were, when everyone was little I played center and linebacker <laughs> you know, middle linebacker. That's, that's in junior high, and you hit puberty in high school. <laughs> and, and, then, yeah. and then guys. And then, you, yeah, and then about ninth grade, you know, you, you got to move to cornerback and yeah. running back, you know. Yeah. yeah. I had a couple of friends that, yeah, because there's a sixth, seventh grade, I think, uh, Pop Warner. Pop Warner, and then there's a seventh, eighth, but it was by weight, you know. They want to yeah. make sure, you know, you're, yeah. you're not getting destroyed. And I remember these kids that. Were you pretty good at skateboarding? Sorry. Sorry to cut up. Like, like one summer, like he's going through like puberty and sizing, and it's like you, these guys show up the next summer, and you're like, what the fuck yeah. happened? What'd you they're eat? Men. They're men. What were you eating? But yeah. I, I, you know, I remember ninth grade, and uh, ninth grade I went to a school called St. Francis High School, and they were known for football because mm. um, I was a Catholic school, raised Catholic school, right? So ninth grade I went to St. Francis, and so there were a lot of big kids there, but they were putting pads on and helmets for the first time. You know, I had six years of experience of hitting people. So, like, that first year, I got a lot of respect for taking on the big guys because they yeah. didn't know how to hit. They didn't know how to, like, strike. They didn't know how to get low. Yeah. And then, of course, once they learned, then that was all over with. Yeah. Yeah. Next curve. <laughs> Were you serious about skateboarding? or uh, No, it? it was just fun. Yeah. It, you know, it was another thing that it was really accessible. Got into the ramps, you know, the big ramps. Do some hand plants? Wasn't never really into the hand, but, but boneless. Nice. Boneless, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah that was kind Some of my Bertelmans. trick. Some Bertelmans. laybacks. Uh, I wasn't into laybacks, but yeah, they were doing like the reverses before reverses in the yeah. ocean, you know, like yeah. the on the ramp. Yeah, yeah. But Nash and, and Eric or Eric and Jeff Grosso were there, you know, so we got to watch them yeah. firsthand, see them fall, see them learn their tricks, and and they were like full on punk rock. Dudes, right? Yeah, it was. I mean, punk rock. You go, was go to the skate park, and yeah, it was only punk rock. And yeah, do their runs, and it was all the punk rock. So you're you're surfing as you could hitch rides with your older crew, your yeah, friends and stuff. Were, and at 16, when you get your license, like, is it a game changer? Not, not really. I think right after that, I uh, I sprained my neck, mm. and so I was kind of done with football, with sports. No, um, I. F- fell off uh, like an embankment on the Colorado River and I went down about eight, nine feet straight onto my head on the rocks. Oh shit. Super lucky I didn't break my neck and I think because at the time I was so strong. Yeah, I did a lot of I was lifting and you know, and I was fairly strong. So, Training with football and stuff? Yeah, just yeah. I was kinda into that and um, yeah, so that kinda took me out for a little while. Not really. Didn't really do anything you didn't break your neck you just sprained it I didn't break it you know back then there was no no MRI or anything like that yeah and there was like a, you know and it's and when you fracture it's can't really do much anyways it's yeah. like you just don't move yeah I just I did a lot of that yeah. so I spent my senior year did you have to wear that thing where the, the halo the no yeah no I think that's when they x-ray it and they see the crack in, in the bones yeah but I think this was all soft tissue yeah compression and, and, yeah ugh, did you crack your head open Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, right here and a bunch couple, of stitches, couple different places. Yeah. Were you partying? I was partying. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, mom, dad. That's what your mom was uh, worried about, and you yeah. did it at the river. Yeah. 
the river. Colorado River is good for that. Yeah. A lot of accidents happen there. Yeah. 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 So, so, sixteen, you get your car. Uh, you get your car. When did you finally start getting into surfing? Well, I didn't really, really get into surfing until um, I moved down to Huntington. So I moved to Huntington to work with my brother in his garage and to go to Long Beach State. And, and so, so just backtrack on, on high school, were you like a, like a good student? Did you like school? Like, did yeah, you... so I, I was raised Catholic school. Uh, so I went to Catholic school for 10 years, and St. Francis was college prep. So yeah. that, and then I went to Arcadia my junior, senior year. So the college prep put me on, like, you know, I was in calculus and trig and I took physics in high school. What? <laughs> yeah, Linden's physics. Is that PE? You apply math. Is that to fi- physics? <laughs> you apply math to real world situations and figure out word problems. Yeah. What? <laughs> um, but you, you know, you you're a good student. In, in, yeah, yeah. So after yeah. was the plan. So I got into I got into a couple different schools, and I wasn't sure whether I was going to go to school. I was already working with my oldest brother, who was ten years older. And he was, well, I was learning how to make tooling, really. Okay. How to make Engineer tools. type yeah. stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have this long background where a lot of the summers growing up, um, we all had to go work for our grandfather. Yeah. So there was no camp. We didn't go to camp. Yeah. You're slave labor all we summer. Were like, for, yeah. We were like, you're going to get into trouble. And so this is how you're not going to get into trouble. You're going to go to work. You're going to make. Keep on busy. I made, I think my first hourly wage was two bucks an hour, and I was put, uh, I was counting, it was tailgate protectors, and I was putting, counting up uh, washers and bolts and nuts. And it's like separating into the baggies and stuff? Like four washers, four bolts. <laughs> Forever engraved in your mind. <laughs> Staple the bag, throw it over there, and you watch hey, the clock. So that's kind of cool to hear about it your grandpa started yeah my grandfather uh he started an automotive business where his sons worked for him uh it grew fairly large it was chrome plating um and then after so i was pretty young when i was doing that 12 that's when we kind of got started um and then when i got a little bit older um i got to work on the production lines that was a great experience nice so you're racing a machine you know you're trying to do this and race the machine, pick up the racks and put them on the machine. What a trip. Yeah. So your brothers, there's a there's a, a bunch of different age. Yeah, so the, um, the oldest is 10 years older than me, and then there's three years younger than him, and then another four or five years, and then or it was three, I think three years apart mm. for each one of us. Nice. Yeah. So my, the one older than me is just three years older. Where was uh, the factory at? In Arcadia? Or? No, no, no. So the, the, the automotive business was in East L.A. East L.A., wow. Yeah, yeah so that was... A, How'd you get there, Holmes? That was a real cultural experience, too, you know, because yeah. we were just out on the floor working with all the guys working there. Yeah. So uh, when the when it was break time, we'd go out to the lunch truck and then... Because Arcadia is at suburbia, kind of? Yeah, it's, it's kind What's of suburbia. Like, you know, like it's like affluent, it's like middle class, like, like yeah. So like it's it's, a good, it's very similar to Huntington. Yeah, okay. very similar to Huntington. So su- suburbs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say I'd say it's really similar to Huntington. There's two different places. Okay, there's the 
Upper Arcadia and the foothills, and then there's Lower Arcadia. Yeah. There's Lower Arcadia. Yeah, yeah. I like to say below the tracks. <laughs> the wrong side of the tracks. No, the right side. <laughs> so right aside side. from having to go to work at Grandpa's uh, factory in the summer, was it, I mean, you were interested and you learned a lot? It was cool, cool like, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it was a great experience. It yeah. was a great experience, especially for what I do now. Yeah. You know. Did you? Since I was a little kid, I was watching products yeah, move through a, a production line. Yeah. You know. What were you aspiring to do for yourself? Like, what was your career path? Like, you were good in school. Yeah, I was good in school, and so I wasn't really sure. I didn't even know whether I wanted to go to, to college, and then a friend of mine talked me into going to college, and because I was already working, learning a trade, tool making, and it was right down here in Huntington, I got into Long Beach, and he talked me into going to Long Beach. And Long so, Beach State? Yeah, Long Beach State, and that's who I moved in with. He's like, come on, come to Long Beach. And so I moved I moved down about six months after I started school. But I started the school, and I remember the first day of school, I don't know if there was no, it was you had to call in to register your classes. <laughs> and Long Beach was impacted. So you'd get on the phone, and it'd take you days. You couldn't get your <laughs> classes and all this shit. So, and I showed up. I thought, okay, I'm, I got accepted. I'm just going to go. And... Uh, remember everybody looking at their books and looking at the schedule. I was like, what are you doing? Oh, you're looking at the schedule and seeing what classes. You just classes don't show up and have classes yeah. already set for you? So what I did was, no, I, yeah, I just went to the classes that I wanted to take and I, I walked in and signed my name on the sheet and um, I heard that if you just keep going, they'll let you in the class. And that's How funny. I so I never, I, wow. I went to school for four and a half years. Never registered. And I never registered. For a class, uh, maybe I, the only time I registered was for my major classes because those were easy to get. Mm. But the general classes could never get them. Thirteenth grade was there's like, a trick yeah. right there. Yeah, so I would just walk <laughs> in and like the site class and geology and all that, all yeah. the, the generals. I would just walk in and and uh, sit in. Usually enough people would drop out that you could get the class. Yeah, crazy. And you're you're living at Huntington during this time. Yeah, and so that was the first semester I I did the commute, and then we moved into Huntington off of Delaware Street. Delaware. And there were like five guys and, and on Delaware Street, and then we moved down to Seventh Street. And were you working at and going to school? Like? Yeah, and so my brother was right in right here off of Springdale, and so and he had a, a couple of machines in his garage. And so I would help him make tooling. So I was paying for myself to go through school and then go in and study engineering. Hmm. Hear that, kids? Hear that, kids? Did you, did you ever work at any other jobs besides your grandparents? Or? Yeah, so I did that. And then I did. Uh, I had kind of a cool gig that my cousin got me into. And that was not a paper route. But what we did is we stuffed the papers with the advertisement. Mm. So the papers would come in late at night, and then we'd work all, all you know, early, late night, early morning, stuff the paper with advertising. And then, and that was cool because I got, it was like a bid. So I'd get paid for the whole job, and then I'd get friends to come and work for me. Hmm. That was like... Peel them off a little piece. And well, yeah, and then we'd all kind of work together and be kind of fun, and yeah. I'd share all the money with them. That's so it was kind of a late night thing. That's a trippy job, huh? Yeah. I, Who I knew, mean, right? We yeah. all had, I had paper route. That was my first job. Yeah. And it was awesome. You know, except when you had to go collect. And it's... See, I didn't have to winter, do any of that. And it's winter time and it's dark and you're a 12, 13-year-old kid and it being on some, you know, apartment door or house. You owe me money. Like, it's <laughs> I want my $2.50. It's so unsafe, you yeah, know? 
better, better off dead. Better off dead. Yeah. I want my two dollars. <laughs> and so you're you're living in Huntington, and now you're like surfing, like. Well, so yeah, and 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 the Carl Hayward that my friend right. had bought, he gave that to me when I moved down to the beach. So nice. that was my first. Surfboard. How many years apart was that though? A long time, uh, yeah. Yeah. So he had it for years. Right. How so funny! It was probably like eighteen, so six years. Yeah, five, six years. Sweet. And was it a, a single or twin fin? Uh, I think it was a thruster. Thruster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, it was a thruster. Because I, I glass on fins. Glass on fins. <laughs> yeah. My first was a twin fin from Randy Lewis. It was a hand me down from his brother, and uh, then after that it was all struck thrusters. Yeah. Yeah. My first board was. Well, the board I learned on was a purple lightning bolt, single fin. And then the first board I bought was a garage-made twin fin channel bottom. Yeah. <laughs> garage-made. I mean, whatever you can get your hands on. Yeah, yeah whatever you can get your, hand, whatever you can, you know, get your yeah. hands on and go stand up. Yeah. So how weird is that that you moved to Huntington and this kid bought a board and kept it and then you end up with it? Yeah. Well, he, you know, he's still, I'm still friends with him. He was yeah. like my brother growing up. Their parents remodeled a house, so he actually lived in my house, you know, our whole senior year, I think. Mm. It was. You know, we're still friends together, but he wasn't using it. I mean, he grew, he got really big, and so he couldn't even use it. So. Yeah. <laughs> How big was the, the Hayward? I can't remember. Unless it was probably six two, two and a quarter, yeah. 18 and a half, you know? Yeah. Glass slipper, they call him back in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's all you got, right? No, that's before that. That's pretty narrow. I know, but the 18, like, you're talking 90s. Yeah, this okay. is 90s. This is... Okay. 90s. But you bought the board... Oh, you bought the board in 80s. That's yeah. right, yeah. 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 Had to have been kind of thick. I don't remember. Did it have air spray? I don't re- No, no air no spray. No air spray? Yeah. It's plain white. Haywards were so fucking awesome. Yeah. He's such I mean, a great shaper. Aside from, like, you know... Rob Rogus and you'd see boards like, you know, Chuck Dent, who knows who shaped, or Wind and Sea, who knows who shaped. It was, yeah. you know, Hawk and Ballister and Randy Lewis and and, and, um, and Carl Hayward were kind of like, when yeah. I was a real young kid, like yeah. that was, those were the shops on the street that were like dominating, yeah. you know? And yeah. uh, I mean, Doc, Doc had a shop at one point. Mad Labs. There. Mad Labs. Yeah. And it, there, was a, there was a lot of, uh, like I said, a lot of surf shop culture but it was based around the shape, you know, not yeah. just, and they had their little clicks and stuff and everybody melting pot, you know, but yeah, there's a lot of good shapes. So, yeah. so did you start surfing a lot more? So than- then I started to realize that there's swell, like there's good days, bad days. You yeah. Know? So <laughs> You're at the beach and you see it now. Like, yeah. Why is it big today? I'm supposed to be at class, but there's yeah. swells pumping. Let's go, sir. Oh, wow. It's way different today. Um, and that was, that was a, Eye opener, and I, I, I remember, I remember the first time I pulled into a barrel was Southside. Nice. Got all dark, got scared, and I pushed through and went over the board with the board, with the board in my, my uh, feet. You know, my uh, shins. Oh, got a good smack there. What a trip! Yeah. So, yeah. at that point in time, living in Huntington was your first barrel. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was my first barrel, and I did. You know, that was cool. That was like, but. Um, you know, and then surfing when it was good, that was kind of the big change. Like, all of a sudden, like, I can kind of surf, yeah. you know? 
where it was hard to grovel on those little boards. Yeah. Just unless you like started way early. Yeah. Yeah, that surf shape and that, and that like the, I guess the progression of like that era was like you know sizing down the leaders, the rails. It was it definitely More improved. Yeah, yeah, like they it really advanced pretty quick within a short period of time. Yeah. So where did you surf when you first moved down here? Um, I was surfing, you know, in the in the numbered streets, uh, north right. side. Yeah, no, north side. Yeah. 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 Like 11th, 12th, 14th, yeah, all that area. area. Yeah. Yeah. All that area. Yeah. Taco Bell Reef. Taco, Taco Bell, Bell Reef. Reef was, yeah, <laughs> mainly Taco Bell Reef. Yeah. yeah. Did you experience any localism? Um, not really. I mean, um, you know, we got to know Parmenter, of course. Parmenter yeah. was ruling 14th Bam Street. Bam Bam. Bam Bam around that time. Yeah. So I think one of my friends had, had a, who could surf a lot better than I could, I think he had a little bit of issues. He was all bark. <laughs> he was all bark. <laughs> but it was definitely there. Yeah. yeah. Localism was there. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. But that's part of the history of surf and it still happens and it's. Yeah. I, I knew everywhere. my place. I knew my place. Yeah. You know. So you started getting better. Yeah. Um, did you finally get your own board or what? what yeah. Did you do? And so I had that one for a while and then I think the. And then I got a Chuck Dent. Hmm. You you fully got into surfing now. Yeah, so now, now you finally I'm, got the bug. Now I'm, I'm getting a bug, and then we go down to uh, we started going to Baja, and that's where I got my first real tube. All the way from I'm not going to name the spot, but it was a, a reef break right off from the takeoff, all the way to the end. And you got a tube right. I got a tube right. Wow, hooked. That was it. That's, that's it. All it took. That was it. And uh, and that was your Chuck Dent. I was Chuck Dent. Yeah. Was that your first like trip? Surf trip? Like, um, do your parents, you guys go? I know your parents didn't want no, to No, parents but. didn't go. So Baja was, we were going to Baja. My first real trip, we went to Europe. Wow. Mm. Yeah. For a surf trip? Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I was kind of, kind of. That's so different from regular. Yeah, most people would go to Costa Rica or whatever. Go yeah, Hawaii. It, it worked out because I had a, my, my friend's sister was in Barcelona. And so we were. We yeah, had an in. So we had an in. So yeah. we went and got with, met with her, and then we drove down to the bottom of Spain, and then up through Portugal. Wow. And to the north of Spain into France. Brought boards and, and all that. Brought boards. How many boards did you bring? Do you remember? Just just one board. We yeah. brought one board with. Uh, <laughs> so funny, right? With the big. Uh, foam block. Prolite. Foam block. Yeah. Yeah. Prolite foam blocks. Prolite foam. Yeah. Block. Yeah. For sure. And we didn't get great waves. Portugal or no France? I think we got the best waves. Yeah. Portugal. Got my passport stolen. That was an experience. You had to go to the consulate and get a consulate. So I was running around with a uh, uh, piece of paper for ten years. After that, with a passport from issued in Portugal. Wow, it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I like. We were told that you know traveling, uh, you get it's easy to get robbed. Yeah, yeah. And they say that you know we were we were taught by our peers and our elders like. You always have a print of your passport in a couple different spots. So we, we did that. We, yeah, we'd have yeah. a print because it'd make the process like a whole lot easier. Yeah. Having like a couple of. You it know, did. We now you have it on phone anywhere else, but back then it was like you had to have a couple of yeah. passport printouts yeah. tucked away. In a did exactly spots. that. Had the photocopy of the passport, had the photocopy of my birth certificate. And that way when we went to the American consulate, it was super easy yeah. to, to get a new passport. Otherwise, you'd be. 
you would have been there for a week. Or so a bunch of snail mail or fax and yeah, yeah it was fax, been, yeah. fax at that time. Dude, I traveled with a Filipino passport for years. Yeah, he got the, an immigrant. You know. Every time he went somewhere, <laughs> secondary. That was tough, huh? Dude, it sucked. Yeah, because yeah, everywhere I go, I'd get a visa. Class. I'd ha- yeah. yeah, I'd have to go to a consulate before the trip, you know, and then yeah, you'd have to go through the visitor lines and all that. It was it was a nightmare. Yeah, and I, I after HSS, I worked for uh, Podium Distribution, which is DVS, Maddox, and Lakai. And I did international biz, but every time I had to go somewhere, freaking Japanese consulate, Taiwan consulate, whatever. But it was such an extra painful step. But this show's not about us. So <laughs> so you got the bug surfing, um, did, and you were going to college to become... Yeah, so I was went to college and... Uh... Not right away, but I, I switched my major about the first semester into electrical engineering. Hmm. And what is that to go to work for, like Boeing or? You know what I did is I, I didn't know what I was going to do in college, and my friend was a physical therapy major, so I kind of took started off with those classes. And physical therapy? Yeah, I think I took physics and physiology and something else. I liked physics, and then I went to the class or the counseling. There was a career council and I was like I just went in to check it out and I kind of looked through there and saw who made the most money out of <laughs> college it was electrical <laughs> engineering and I was like okay I'll do that I'll do electrical engineering how funny a lot yeah. of physics and I, I enjoyed the physics and math and I was already kind of ahead on that look at the big brain on uh I know on turtle hair <laughs> I mean but it, you know it, not always following your passion makes you money, you know? So you kind of like, well, I'm good at this, but you, yeah. know, you, you yeah. did the follow-up of, of yeah. seeing if it's like, I, you know, I want to make some money. Yeah. So so your friend was a, what again? Physical, physical therapist. Physical so therapist. So Long Beach was a really good physical therapy school. Yeah. And I think you, they still are. You wanted to be a physical therapist? No. Uh, so like I said, when I showed up that first day at, at college, I didn't know what classes to take or how to get the classes and I just said, well, what classes are you taking? <laughs> he says, well, I'm taking this, this. So I said, oh, okay, I'll take those classes too. Awesome. <laughs> what? So, and you stayed in those classes until? Uh, yeah, no, I got, I, so like, I, 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 whatever, you sat, I sat in them, and then I got the classes, and then I did that first semester. And like I said, one of them was physics, and the other one was physiology. And I remember the physics, and I was like, oh, I like the physics. And then when I said, okay, I'm going to do electrical engineering. What's the course load? Yeah. And then, so I switched over and I started doing that course. Yeah. Load. Electrical engineering, what what profession would that be? Well, I mean, at the time, it's it's anything that had to do with computers. Okay. So, you know, computers was all, was the home computer was in the home. So yeah. I think it was, uh, yeah. uh, what was it? Texas Compaq and TI. I think they had the home computer. Oh, Texas Instruments. Yeah. Yeah. And Gateway was probably not Gateway, too far HP, Hewlett Packard. Yeah. Hewlett Packard. Yeah. yeah. You know. The big boxes. I, the, there was a huge growth of anything. Uh, electronics. 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 Yeah. yeah. And so electrical engineering was everything all the way to um, uh, your processors and silicone doping. Yeah. Did, did you ever ask your parents, like, what to do or no? Like... You know, they, so I'm, you know, 
one of five kids. Yeah. And they didn't really push one way or another. Yeah. College was, my dad didn't, didn't go to college. So it's like, well, you, you know, go to work. Yeah. And it's five of us. When we die, you guys didn't really get shit because it's five of you, so you better figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever does this the best. There was, there was no push. And my mom was sick at the time, so she got cancer early on. Oof. And so it wasn't, the focus wasn't on the kids. At yeah. All. I mean, we were free to do whatever we wanted to. I think back then, too, I, you know, there was a lot more confidence in your kids just figuring it out versus now. It's like, man, how, how my kids are not like, survive and afford like living you know like yeah it's, it's, it's just a mindset of you know like back our parents was like okay 18 yeah. get out go live and go figure it out yeah i mean before i drove we rode our bikes down to newport you would ride from arcadia bike ride. we did it once. holy yeah smoke. that's that's farther and, than what i did and oh it was like, here hey, we mom, go we're, we're gonna go <laughs> this guy hey Every shut up two dude. and a half hours each way man. it was <laughs> two and about. a half hours how many hours was that well, we started in the morning. We left at like sunrise and we got back at sunset. Yeah. But we went to, I think we went all the way to 20th Street or around there and we went to visit a friend and we thought we were going to go get in the water, you know, because he was there with surfboards or whatever. And it was like by the time we got there, we're like, we got about an hour to rest and then we got to go <laughs> We got to go back. Oh my God. We, we kind of didn't realize that the, that, that west wind was right in our face. Uh, you know, the whole beach back all the way to, because we rode down the, the Seal Beach uh, uh, riverbed. River. Yeah. yeah, the riverbed yeah. all the way from. So wait, you went down the riverbed to, and you hit Seal Beach and you went and to. Then we took a left and to we rode the beaches all the way to like 20th Street. Downwind. Yeah. <laughs> or down, no wind. Uh, no wind. Yeah. Right? And, then, and then we had to turn around and come back. And I had. A Walkman with one tape playing. Oh my gosh! What, side A, side, a, side B, B, what did you have? So it yeah. was uh, it was the Clash. Nice. Oh. And so it's like anytime I hear "Daddy was a bank robber," it puts me on that beach path, like almost home. Yeah. Wow. Because <laughs> I'm trying to gauge but, the time of from there to there. That's probably like a fifty miles, so it's a good five, four, three, four hour, four hour bike. One direction. We had, we had our stop. We had a crash. Um, one direction. One direction. How many times did you do that? Often or no? Did it once. <laughs> yeah. Did it once. That's nuts. But I mean, you think about it like, hey, mom, we're gonna go ride to the beach. Okay, great, dear. Yeah. We'll see you at home, or we'll see you tonight. Can you imagine? Yeah. You're, 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 yeah. you're living that far, and we're going to the beach. You'd be like, hell no, you're not. Yeah. Like, that's. Nowadays, yeah, yeah. Or, or even back then, but yeah, it's different times. But no, that's back then, so it was like, far. Yeah, that's so far. So fucking far. It's like, far. like Laura doesn't want me to talk about it, but yeah, where I lived, North Long Beach, right? It was uh, South Street and and what the fuck is that? Cherry, uh-huh. pretty much right yeah. there. Yeah. You know, I even lived closer to the ninety one freeway. Yeah, but we would, you know, in the summertime, <laughs> junior high. Dude, every day for for a couple summers in a row, we would ride our bikes from Long Beach to fucking Seal Beach and love it. So what you had to do, right? Yeah. Yeah. And there was no surf racks, you know? Right. So you would hold, hold it. Hold your board. Hold your board with, um, I don't even think we had a fucking backpack, dude. You know? Like, we were just poor kids. And I had a 10-speed a that had one handbrake, you know? Luckily, it was the on the, the side that break. I... Yeah. And I would... <laughs> You know, ride all the way to the beach. It was 
freaking crazy. I remember yeah. getting dings because the board would bounce because you yeah. try to hold it underneath and you get tired and you'd, I, you smack the, you would wrap the, like your towel yeah. around the bar so it was, yeah. yeah just so the wind uh, the wind would be the for my one thing. mile bike ride yeah you little bitch <laughs> <Lucky>. <laughs> just kidding lucky spoiled yeah Santa. so you're you're going to school electrical energy engineer that was your your path yeah well in tool making and tool making. So I'm, I'm paying for my way through school, uh, um, cutting pins and grinding steel yeah. and helping make tools, yeah. And your brother, were you making decent money with your brother at that, at that time when you're... Yeah, yeah. So I was, I was doing, you know, good enough to live off of. Yeah. yeah. And it was pretty flexible. It wasn't like I was going and punching a clock. Just go and just, write, write yeah. my times down and help him out, and you know he get paid from a job, and then he'd pay me. Yeah, and surfing became more and more your thing, right? Surfing became my thing. Yeah, yeah. and so now I was like, okay, well, I want to surf when it's good. I'll yeah. work, go to school, and then when it's good, I'll drop everything and go surfing. So Heck yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's the goal, right? That's the goal, dude. Yeah. How do we how do we stay in the how do we surf more? Yeah. Okay, make more money, have a flexible schedule. Yeah. You know, be your own boss. Yeah. And there for me, it, was, it wasn't it was surfing all the time. It was just wanting to surf when it was good. Yeah. yeah. So you graduate Long Beach State? Um, no. No. I went four and a half years, and then I decided that I was never going to be, go get a job. <laughs> That, you know, hopefully I, it wasn't surfing. You know, was, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, I mean, before before that, I like during while I was at college, I think we went to my real. So we went to Europe, and then went to Costa Rica. Mm. And that was a real good. We camped and rode buses, and that was a real good experience. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, well, I want to go on a real on a on another surf trip, big surf trip, you know. And uh, so the college was kind of in the way. <laughs> right, Lennon? Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you got the bug, you know, and, and you know, once you, once you go on a trip or two, but and you, you're reading magazines, and you're hearing all these other exotic, cool waves and spit, you know, places, it's like, okay, how do I make money and go there? Wow, that was like 94 around about 94 so you know what was going on in 94 right well what was indonesia that was oh. when they discovered the mints or the, not discovered but the magazines were starting to put photos, yeah, yeah. pictures of the mint wise so because it, it's funny because you you're a really good surfer right and knowing that you didn't wasn't finding out that you weren't into it until college right. yeah you know it's it's surprising and then you know here you are really getting into it and going to these, you know, going to Europe and then like, like you're Costa saying, Rica, Costa Rica, yeah. like surfing is so powerful, you know, especially when you get good at it. Right. And then you experience places like Costa Rica, your warm water, it's killer food. It's offshore. You know what I mean? Like you're in board shorts. You're like, how the fuck do I make this my life? Right. <laughs> right. Well, I remember sitting in, in school, and um, 
you know, I'd already done all the calculus is Calc 3. I was in differential equations. I've had, every semester I had a physics class. And so I did, did electrical magnetism. I did all the physics. And I remember I was sitting in a, a class and it was a differential math class. And this, the professor put up this huge equation that took up the whole board. And he said, um, there's, only, there's only one way to solve this. And it's either one of these four solutions, but you won't know which solution to use until you go through. Wow. So, and, and calculus is is really it's a bunch of low-level math. It's all that algebra, but you got to do the calculus first, and then you get into the algebra. And so, by the time you're done, it's you have this, all these layers and layers of math to find out that you're you're wrong, and you got to go try the other equation. Oof. I was like, I, I just don't want to do this. Anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Any, meeny, miny, mo, and then yeah, no, you're. I thought, I I thought he's going to tell us. Uh, I picked the right one, <laughs> so I quit. No, and then, and then I was already making money with my brother doing, um, which in, in in essence it's mechanical engineering, the tool making and what we do out there. It's yeah. it's really geometry heavy, and you got a lot of a lot of moving parts, and you're trying to get things to fit and the forces that's going on when you cut steel with your cutters and it's all really interesting. I was making money doing that. Wait, so. Was it, did math and all that shit you were saying, <laughs> <laughs> did it did it come naturally to you or did you study or like? Well, I studied, yeah. 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 But, but it I, sounds, I, it sounds like it, it, it came natural to you too. Yeah, I think, I think the, the it opened... The whole thing on math, when, when you hit calculus and you start to realize why you're doing the calculus is you really, you're doing it to, the equations draw pictures. And when you get to calc three, they draw surfaces. Mm. So you got- You're blowing my fucking mind, bro. <laughs> yeah. yeah, because it's just, it's- it's Math? X, Y, and Z the on numbers a grid, draw. and they represent, yeah, so so when you run, you, you, you load a, you load a number in that equation, it will output where it is in space on a grid, XYZ grid. And when you have a triple integral, it makes a surface. And so I'm learning the hard way on how to do this. And at the same time- You're doing it hands-on. At the same time, we're doing CAD. And for the first time in the 90s, was a three-dimensional CAD became accessible to the everyday toolmaker. And so I'm learning 3D CAD. And it's very similar. You drive a line here, you drive a line here, and you create a surface. And then I'm going in school, and I'm doing the same thing. So it all really tied together really well for me. Mm. That that's is cool. pretty interesting. And, and here you are working, you know, for your brother. That's his pretty much his own boss, right? He's working out. Of yeah, his, and he's his house and, and he's out of the garage, and, and 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 you know, and I'm right there, and so I could, you know, help him when he needed it and it was pretty loose if the waves were really good i could come in after i surf he but literally did was he in his garage like yeah. that like spring his house yeah okay just a house off of spring so it's, or, but he but just painting the picture is like okay my i know how to do this my brother's doing it successfully you know he's got his own business he's you know i'm sure your your mind's thinking i could do something similar and creating trips and you know like yeah by that time we had already moved just over here at chemical so I think in 91 or something, we got out of the garage and we moved to Chemical Lane. Right next get, to Douglas Electric. Started to get, I don't know, are they over there? Yeah, they were. Well, yeah. you know what was on Chemical v Lane Victory too? It was Victory Wetsuits. Victory Wetsuits, yeah. 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 So we were up the street from Victory Wetsuits. Yeah. 
And then, so we were doing, and that's when we started doing molding and the plastic injection. But the main business was computer cables. Um, computer cables? Yeah. So in the in the 90s, um, do you remember 286 processor, 386, no. 486, 586? Every year or so, the, the processor would change, and so they would have to change the computer cables that they needed. And so, so we, we were the guys building What a scam. Them. Yeah. So your scam. brother, what was your brother making before? Um, molds for plastic injection. Okay. He started out, he learned that in, at Atari. He worked for um, a company that built it all for uh, the Atari. Um, yeah, video game. Yeah. Video game, yeah. We know Atari. Yeah. Damn right, Space. Asteroids. Space. Asteroids. Asteroids. Yeah. Atari. Yeah. Asteroids are the best. Yeah, whatever. So, so your brother is kind of like-minded as you are. From yeah, so he, he full trade. He just learned it. My grandfather got him into it because he didn't want to work for my dad or my uncle. And so my grandfather's, okay, well, here, go work with this guy over here down the street they, who built all the tooling for my grandfather. So my brother picked up that trade, then went and worked for someone else. You know, he's 10 years older, so by the time I was 17, he was already in his garage working for himself. Nice. Cool. That's so cool, you know, like most people pick up a trade and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's usually Wait a minute. because we got to say hello. Come on, say hi. Still frothy. I told him, like, I got to say hi. I see yeah. the man up front. What's up, dude? What's up, boys? What's up, Walter? <laughs> Wait, no beers? I know. Oh, it's I'm disappointing. It's late night too early. You should be able to let down. I didn't get beers <laughs> I saw, I saw some of the We, we brought him some Ashland, bro. Yeah, we're going to be partying. New sponsor. Eight. Yeah. What's that? We got 805s, but six. We'll drink 805s. Okay. Yeah. Slow yeah. too. That's good stuff too. Hey. I don't want to interrupt you. Dude. Guys. I have to say hi. I saw the van. I'm like, oh, the boys are in there. Good seeing you, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Carry on the good mission. Yeah, man. You're the man. Still love frothy love after all these years. Always. Yeah, are amazing. Hey, we need to give you a hat. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Well, we have one in the car. Okay. Dude. Yeah, Fuck yeah. Still frothy. So good. I love it. Dude, that's a cool, that was a cool little little interjection. Dude, this is a hot spot, man. Yeah. You never know who we're going to do. our their fins, right? Yeah. We're, we're going to uh, do our podcast from this office. Is that okay? Yeah, that's fine. Cool. Well, you know, I got an office for you guys. <laughs> what are you saying? You're sponsoring the show? Oh, whoa. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> what do I get for sponsorship? Yeah. Waves Ashman. on the south side. <laughs> Waves on north side. There you go. Whoa, yeah. I'll, whoa, I'll come dude. Out I'll, I'll block for you. Whoa, Lar. So I go out there and people don't know I may get burned all the time. I'm like, this sucks. So so you started working for your brother, and you, you didn't finish college. Did you quit then? Yeah, so I was about uh, four and a half years in, and I just decided I didn't want to, I wasn't going to ever show up this piece of paper to anybody. Yeah. And I don't think I wanted to do that. I wanted to, you know, because we were, in tool making and mold making, you're, you're kind of at the epicenter of any new project. Yeah. And so new ideas, I'll need tooling. And so we never ran out of work. Well, we would help. We I would see people come in with an idea, and we would go through and talk about how to design it and build it for them, and then they go have a business with this, you know, and go build a business around yeah. this product. And I thought, well, that's that's the way forward. We got to figure out what we can make that's ours and yeah. make a company out of it. So was his business pretty successful with all the new computers and? Um, it ran, it ran fairly well, but it was super labor intensive. There was nothing that was running all the time. So once the job was done, you get paid and you got to go find a new job. Mm -hmm. 
it so was like contract kind of out, yeah contract outsource yeah. like yeah so it's tough and and back then you bid on the job and you yeah say, okay this is gonna cost you know, it's gonna cost you six grand and you fuck up you know you charge someone six grand and then you you misread or you didn't realize that there were tiny little radiuses that you need to cut and they took way longer than what mm. you thought it was gonna take and so it's you can lose too yeah yeah so your brother was like freelancing contracting contracting. Yeah. What a that's that's a hard yeah. And so what we wanted to do was contract something that we could run the parts or, or or build something of our own and go out and sell it. Yeah, that was kind of the goal. God, what an interesting concept because you know you're you're creating stuff for people come to you and you help them create it, right? Yeah, and mass produce it. So or at that time, just actually building the tooling that they, they go to could another shop, yeah. go mass produce it on other equipment. On their, yeah, yeah, and eventually we got some equipment where we could we could mass produce. They got a couple jobs that ran pretty well. And was it was that field like pretty competitive? Like you had to undercut, like you know, like just mo- most industries. Like there's a bunch of people, a bunch of people that all want that work. They all want the work, Whoever, and whoever's willing to, you know. And then there's got to be a lot of trust that this person comes in. You got to sell your. Your process, you got to sell it yourself to that you can yeah. complete yeah. the job. How many people worked with, with you and your brother? Well, it was just me and him, and then we had another guy. There's three of us in the beginning, just in tool making. And then once we got the plastic injection, then we had a couple other employees. Yeah. And then my other brother came down and, and lived with me and started working with me. Um, and then they went and they built a, a him and his friend had a, one of his friends industrial design class built a stomp pad. No stomp way. pad? Yeah. Remember stomp pads? Yeah. So my brother For and snowboard. his partner started. They were able to start their business before myself and my brother. My, my other brother. So many brothers yeah. get confused. But they started a business called uh, Stomp, and out of that same factory or the same mold shop. Okay. Crazy, and what was the end on that? Do they saw an opportunity, or they were like they, snowboarders? They saw, was, yeah, the was, industry is blowing up. I mean, think about it. That was like '93 or something. Yeah. And the snowboarding was just getting popular, and so there's this stomp pad, and yeah. they built it, and people wanted to buy it, and boom, they had a business. Yeah, interesting. I think I met that guy before, over the years. Paul, my brother Paul. I don't Dave, know. Dave, maybe you met Dave. Dave, dark haired guy, dark haired, yeah, surf, skinny, skinny, yeah, Dave. Yeah, yeah. he's really good at like remembering people and names and stuff. That's yeah. one of his qualities. I yeah, really Dave. Like. I don't know math though, <laughs> <laughs> or physics, or just yeah. Okay, I'll we'll just leave it at that. We're gonna cut that part out. No. <laughs> yeah, um, cut that shit. Um, so wow. Okay, so. So there was the model to go and set up your own business. And yeah. It's like I, I, and yeah. How do we come the, up with something that's ours? The yeah. stomp pad thing was yeah. the goal. The stomp pad thing inspired you to do your own thing. Well, that made it made it uh, accessible for sure. Like it was very accessible to go and start your own business, and then seeing all the other guys that we've seen come through, you know, not so good ideas. Yeah. You know, forming businesses out of it. So yeah. That and was what happened. How did you, what, what was the, what was well, so, the turning point? So I left school and that next summer, um, with a friend of mine, we went to Indonesia. <laughs> of course. Right. Damn so right. I spent, I spent uh, six weeks in, in Indo. 94? Uh, I 
94, right around there. Okay. Maybe that summer of 94. Were you going there already? I think... Uh, Later? That might have been about the first time, 94 or 5. I graduated in 93. It might have been 95. Okay. Yeah. So we brought two boards. Uh, two? I brought Stepped two boards. Stepped it up. We brought two boards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, from our Europe trip. The same guy I went to Europe with. Cool. Um, uh, was who uh, is he a good surfer too or? Yeah, I mean at the time he was he was better than me because he was he kind of surfed through high school a mm-hmm. bit more than I did, um, so so we got our boards, went to Indo, glass ons, foam blocks, um, sucks. Went to Kuda. Yeah, you know, stayed in Kuda, did the bike ride out to Ulu. Midnight um, oil. Midnight oil. <laughs> the shrooms. Yeah, there was a restaurant that made the special shrimp shakes. shakes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't know it was called Midnight Oil. Yeah. Poppy's Lane too, right there. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> Midnight Oil on the corner. Midnight Oil. Yeah, it's going back. back now. Yeah. They're still there. Um, so yeah, we did that, and then uh, we. Um, Dude, how fucking amazing! Out of for me, that's my favorite place, Indonesia. Yeah. Bali and yeah, yeah. mental wise. So you did six weeks there? Yeah. So we um, the first trip we uh, went to Kuda and we kind of did that, surfed those waves out out there on the Bouquet and you know Kuda, and yeah. Airport left and all that stuff. And then yeah. uh, while we we're there, we met some guys from Hawaii. We hooked up with them. We decided to go on one of those boat trips, and they ran boat trips out of Bali at that time. I think they still do. And the boat trips would go to Sumbawa. And during the season, they would go around Lombok. Uh, and then off-season, they go in front of Lombok and hit all those Lombok spots. So we went we went on that and got to surf Desert Point, yo-yos, you know. Uh, and that's Scarry. early, right? We got super suck, super lucked into super suck. Um, and we went over to Scar Reef. We got Scar Reef. And me and my buddy, we looked at each other and said, we're not going back. so we got off the boat at scar reef and we stayed at scar reef um and just tried and and, you know we waited for the next well got that next well and then we're like okay let's get out of here let's go to go to um lakey peak yeah so we had to do the uh the small buses from scar to to lakey which is all the way across simbawa and we first was back of the truck um we went and saw simbo when he's boxing that was cool cultural experience and then and then it was bus rides all the way over there right and so we got the our big board bags with the foam blocks and they're getting thrown up on top of the the bus and strapped down we go to the the next bus station we got to pull them off there and go to the next one you know i think we did like three or three three times we did that and every time we're throwing the boards up there it's like oh you hear yeah. we're going to fiberglass and we're cracking not gonna and have any fins you know yeah. so that was a super stress finally finally get to Lakey Peak and pull the boards out and we're like okay fins are still good you know so we 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 score Lakey Peak and we're surfing nungas and i think we got periscopes and while we're there some kiwi walks up with a little board bag and four boards <laughs> I, I think he had like two boards or something in there, a little board bag, or like, and he's all clean, you know. Like, how did he? We just fucking drove <laughs> around in buses for four yeah, weeks. Yeah, we show up, we're all dirty, and he shows up, and he's in the in the the, the room next to us, and we're like, and he pulls out, and we're like, 
how's he doing? And he pulls out his board and he drops his FCS pins in, screws with it. Blown away. Blown away. I'm like, wow, look at that. Holy shit. And I'm thinking, because when I left at that time, uh, we, the business went through a big change with my brother and we had parts running and we had to shrink down in size and go back to just tool making. And that's when I left. I left and so we were right in, in between doing stuff and I thought, well, shoot, man. And we went over there and looked at those FCS plugs and was like, fuck, I, I can make this mold in like a week. Wow. I can make something just like this. How weird, huh? So so we're going, finished our surf trip. I ended up um, going to G-Land after that. Did you have picture? Like, were you, did you have a cam, travel camera with you? Or is we it did, all and, and you know, I'm still, my, my best friend is, was with me on that time and he lives in Bali. Uh, so this is how I mean the next trip really changed our lives but um, we he said he found a bunch of the photos and he threw them out wow and I don't know where any of my photos are and from that I've got like and they were I traveled with a shit camera that you had to and I think we had a water camera you know the I'm just curious because, like, you know, you leave that, and if you don't have something, that, you know, you only got your visual, you know, there's memories, stories like, yeah. yeah, memories, like, you come back, and you can't do any research, because this is, like, yeah. so from Australia, there's yeah. no internet, there's, yeah. like, I don't yeah, know, we didn't ads or anything yet. Yeah, no, we didn't take a picture, and that was the first time I saw FCS. Yeah. And uh, it's, FCS is from Australia? FCS from Australia. Okay. Yeah. And oh, if I remember... said that on the podcast? Can we take that out? Yeah. We no, can't. And we don't, and we don't this say is, that word, those three letters. Uh, yeah. it's, and it's uh, 94, so this is yeah. early. Yeah. yeah, really early. Like, yeah. And and back then it was plugs, right? Like it, it almost looked like leash plugs, but yeah, turned into whatever that was, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, the story was, uh, well, there's a story with, with how that we was. We want to hear your story. Yeah. Yeah, I want to hear my story. Um, so we saw that and we're like blown away and I stuck in my mind like there's a, I can go back and do that, right? So anyway, so was we, it pretty instant, instantaneously that you thought, "Oh shit, I could do that better." Oh, right away, right, right yeah, when I saw it. it. Took him a week. He said a week I could build that. Yeah, I could build those molds in a week. But, yeah, you know, and then I didn't have a concept of how to do it better. I didn't understand really the board building process at that time. Um, so, tuck that back in the memory. We finish our trip. Then we do a twenty-four hour bus ride back to Bali, which we're on Larium. We took Larry on that first trip, and I remember I still remember the dream I had on that bus ride. And uh, so anyway, and then after that, we go to G-Land, mind blown. Gosh. Right, G-Land. Wow, this yeah. guy. And time to go home, right? How long were you on G-Land for? Uh, we did a week at G-Land. Oh. And that was back when um, we stayed in the, the, the Joyo's camp, and they had, uh, we did the cheap. Everything was budget that trip, right? Yeah. We took buses stayed in the cheap like uh, um, tent right on the beach which was epic they don't have that anymore but yeah it was pretty epic and I think the Tigers were still there were still the Tigers running around yeah and that's before Quicksilver yeah. had a contest yeah 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 like the year before was it the year before? I, I think 95 was the first time they had it 95 yeah maybe 96 maybe 96 but um okay so then I come back from that trip Right, it's time to go home, come home, full culture shock on the way back, you know, get back. And I remember the culture shock happened when I walked into a supermarket. <laughs> you know, I hadn't, had, you know, all the bright lights and the food everywhere. It's like, wow, we're not in, in, in anywhere. 
yeah the luxury of first world you know like the supermarkets we have are just i mean you've done a lot of traveling it's, yeah it's nothing like america's yeah. supermarket yeah. dude nothing like it's, that so that was like depressing though when you come back and you're like fuck man it's you so go, crowded you go grab, yeah. yeah everything's paved yeah. everything's fluorescent you're just like fuck yeah and i gotta get back into building molds yeah and, you gotta but i didn't have school anymore so, which was good. That was a big relief, and I had a lot more time now. I didn't have homework every every night. Yeah. So, get back into work, start, you know, right away building molds. And not two weeks later, a guy walks through the door who we've had an interaction maybe a year before to help him build this safety fin. He was building a safety fin back at the time. Safety like what? Safety fin. It was a glass-on fin that had a ridge of plastic around it. Hmm. Uh, soft plastic and they wow. were trying to glass them on and he was having all kinds of problems with it and he walked to the door uh, with another mold maker and they wanted my brother's help and, and then he said ah I got a I got a and he's big guy boisterous guy talking about all kinds of stuff and he says I got an idea for a fin box I was like my ears perked up I was like really fin box and he goes Bill Stewart's involved and blah 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 so we start talking and I raised my hand and said I'll, I'll build everything for free to be a part of it and that's how it got started. Wow. So right then I was like, and he's like, okay, great, great. And, you know, and so it's like, okay, I'll, you know, what do you, what do you need to do? And then I started working with him and uh, McNabb was involved and Bill Stewart involved. And so I built prototypes for those guys and didn't charge them a thing. And, um, you know, so a lot of that, that fin box that we're running off of right now, the concept came from, or how to do it was uh, Bill Stewart and Gary McNabb are the mm. two guys with, you know, McNabb's got a board in the Smithsonian, Stewart's, I don't know how many thousands and thousands of boards he built. Yeah. And the other partner was this Mark Fleming guy who was putting it all together. And then there was me who was building the tooling. And that's kind of how Futures got started. And that's how I became a part of it. Wow. That's crazy. That is crazy. What was wild was that the timing of like seeing FCS and coming back after that epic trip where yeah. I'm still like kind of culture socked and tripping. How, how All fast? I want to do is get back, right? How yeah. quickly did that happen? Like within months? Well, so that was a couple of weeks, and I'm trying to think that next trip I went, I had the fin box. Last year. But you you were in yeah. Bali, you were in Indonesia, saw the FCS, came back, met these guys. How how it was long a month? Was, a month. Yeah, a month. Wow. It was quick. It was only a couple of weeks. And was there? idea just an idea or did they actually have a concept no it was just an idea they said hey idea. we're having problems can you and you're like i could fix this i could, I could we're having a problem we want to develop this can you develop so were they integrating the fin box with that fin with the um soft deal or was that two he separate was trying ideas? to do that was two separate ideas okay and that uh, eventually they said you're never going to be able to glass this fin on what you need is a fin box mm. and that's what led him to go after the fin box and he was getting board shaped by McNabb and McNabb said hey I got, an, I got an idea you need a fin box I got this idea for a fin box and then somehow Stuart got tied into it because Stuart was building long boards and he was using official and it wasn't working out very well um, so he, want, he wanted something else yeah and what's a trip is like Fin boxes have been around for a long have been time around for, for fucking decades already. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So this guy's idea, because fin boxes weren't being used in short boards, they were no. only being no. used in long boards. Right. 
So this guy wanted to do this safety fin, and he needed the fin box. And I don't think the concept of longboard shortboard was even in their minds. Yeah. But they said, here, Stuart needs a new box because he's having so many problems with this other current box he's using. Um, that Stuart was involved, and he says, I'm the first customer. I want this new box. And so it was already, the idea already had a customer. We just had to make it. Wow. And yeah. did, they've never seen, you didn't tell them about FCS, or did they know about it? I, I'm they, not sure. I think they knew about it. I think I think Stuart knew about it. I'm not I'm not sure. Maybe just, he didn't. He wasn't using it. Just, so, yeah. Yeah. But they weren't fin boxes, you know? No. They were like fin plugs. Fin, fin plugs. plugs. Yeah. Fin plugs. Yeah. And it, yeah. I mean. And, and you're, in your mind, you already had it married together. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's, when they said fin box, you went, whoa. Yeah, I went, whoa, yeah. Because here I did all this traveling with the foam blocks. Yeah. And each time we're putting it on top of a bus, you're going, oh. Uh, I'll tell you right now, like that was right in my heyday of like traveling and the minimum of like six boards, you know. Glass-ons? They're all glass-ons. <laughs> How hard was it to travel? Nose to tail, fin boxes, I cut out a spot for the nose to sink, countersink in the foam block and then stack them. And, yeah. And then people started traveling with, with like fin system, you know, like, and I was kind of like, I don't trust those. I want my glass ons because, you know, I got the templates, you know, like I was writing docs. Old dog, like, I, wanted, I wanted my, I wanted the doc, that no, template. smart because those things were shit. Yeah. I wanted the, Back in the day. Yeah. The fins were shit. Yeah. They're all plastic fins. So I held out like a really long time. Yeah. Yeah. And and most of the good shape or good surfers did. Thank you. Know. Yeah. See that one? <laughs> yeah. First pro surfer I ever surfed with. Yeah. <laughs> that one? Wait, what was that? <laughs> First pro First surfer? I didn't burn you, did I? No, no, no. I okay. just that surprises bam, me. Bam, bam. <laughs> You're a dick. So, so Gary McNabb, Nectar, yeah. Bill Stewart, yeah. Stewart Surfboards. Yeah. Then what? Well, so, so maybe it was 95, I, because 90, like 95, somewhere around yeah. there. Um, still still so high on Larium. I'm still high on Larium. <laughs> I want to go back to Indonesia, right? And so I'm trying to figure out how to go back, and the Finbox comes, and so, and I'm not making any money from doing this tooling, but I'm just, I, we worked out a deal. You're going to be a 15% partner, and I split it with my brother. Um, yeah, okay, great, let's go up. We built the fin box, and it was time to go to Indo again. So I think McNabb built me the boards with the fin box, and we didn't yet have fins, and that's where Curtis Hesselgrave got involved. And he was the fin guru, uh, sailboard, fin guy. He got involved at that time and started making the glass. Famous skateboarder too, right? Curtis Hessel. Yes, yeah. how did you know that? Fuck, dude, it, I know shit. encyclopedia, dude. I, I swear, he's... Uh, he's Downhill? No, he was a part of the skate scene, and I think he worked for the magazines. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was Bob Hurley's roommate in college. No way, really. Timothy Leary. Mm. He, 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 Curtis had this wild wow. life. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. But I learned a lot from him, and so he was the fin guy. And so that next trip to Indonesia, I had the fin box. I was riding Nectars. I wasn't riding the was it Nectar. No, Vandermolen was when I took the first trip to Indonesia. So then I got nectar shaped, and then we went back to Indonesia. Um, that was the epic trip. That was the trip where um, we went. We uh, heard about um, this wave on Katyak, 
in the island of Sapporo off of Sumatra. And that was the wave from the opening scene of Kelly Slater Black White. Really? I don't know. I don't, I've watched that a million times, but I don't even remember the opening. I thought that was all like uh, Fiji. Right hand barrel? Yeah. That was the wave we were going to go to. Okay. So we had a friend from high school who told us about that and moved to Kauai, heard about it. It was all hearsay. We're like, okay, let's go do that. Sick. <laughs> but my friend wrong. was already, so he, he got the travel bug and he went off and he was in um, traveling around Southeast Asia. And I went over to Indonesia with a couple other guys, went to GLAN and split from those guys from GLAN. And it was uh, faxed at that time, faxed them. And we said, okay, um, you know, meet me in Sumatra. And we, I met him in Padang. And then we prepared for a week, bought a bunch of food, got on the ferry, went over the ferry, just happened to hook up with uh, uh, the kid who lived at the village that we were going to. He brought us over to the village. We nice. bought groceries, everything. Uh, we thought we were gonna be camping and we ended up staying with his family which is Hosun was his name and and that so we were right there when we showed up we didn't know where the wave was we're like where's this wave we came all this way where's this yeah. wave um next morning there was firing what? damn and well, you right. were walking distance from the right spot. there open up the the, the porthole and the wow. room we were staying and you're looking straight into the tube so we got that wave and we, um, that, was, that was a life-changing experience for both of us because we, we were there by ourselves and just on a whim, right? We were just like, here's the map, here's the city, here's the village, and everything lined up to get the dugout canoe to get over there to hook up with the family. We didn't have to, to tent it. Uh, we gave them all our groceries. We had a bunch of cigarettes. We gave them all that stuff. Um, and I think they charged Cigarettes us. for trading bar bartering. Like, yeah, we, yeah, it was all for yeah. bartering. Yeah. But we ended up like... They said, okay, we'll take you in, you come stay here. And uh, the, the village, um, you could tell that they were just like the generation before them wasn't wearing t-shirts. Like this generation was wearing <laughs> regular clothes. Yeah. Um, and the whole village ran off of uh, coconuts. So what they did was um, they would- That was their trade? That was their trade. They'd go and harvest the coconuts on all the different coconut trees and come and bring it to the house that we were staying at. And he would trade them the rice and medicine and whatever they needed for the coconuts that they harvested. And wow. then he would go and smoke um, the coconuts and bring it back to Padau. The dang. whole village ran off that. I'm pretty sure the whole island ran off of that. Insane. So this was your virgin trip with a Finbox? This is the first trip we ever did with Futures. Okay. Yeah. And we didn't did have... Did you already call it Futures? Uh, it was called Future Systems. Future okay. Systems at the time. So you guys had a company between the three of you or... Yeah, and so what the, it was basically it was Fleming's company and me, Stuart McNabb, and Curtis and my brother were all a part of it. Mm. And we were at that time it was just fin boxes because there were no fins. The f only fins that we had were either made by Fiberglass Fin Company, Larry Allison, or Curtis. Um, and so that was the first trip. I took the uh, fin. Uh, my first Future Systems trip was to yeah. Katyet, which is Lance's right. I think I still have a set of. Curtis Fins. Curtis Fins, yeah. For, hold on to them. Killer. Yeah, for, for, for futures, like old school. Yeah. Well, so you were riding a, a McNabb board, a nectar yeah, board? Yeah, so okay. I, had, I had two nectars. Um, now, you had to create fins for that, right? Well, Curtis. eventually, Curtis made the fins for that trip. Um, and he was making the fins for, I think Stuart was buying them from 
Larry Allison. Anyway, fins were kind of an afterthought. It was yeah. all about the box. Yeah, there's um, plenty of fin guys that yeah. you could rely on. At like, yeah, I mean, know. at the time you had uh, you had Rainbow, you had uh, Stavros, which is Fiberglass Fin Company, and yeah. Fins Unlimited but were the main guys. Not for what it's become. Well, I mean, it was it was mainly longboard fins and glass-ons. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you had to create something that fit in, yeah, so screwed that was, into your system. And it was really difficult to make fiberglass fins at that time that fit the system. They didn't fit very well. It was a big pain in the ass. Yeah. It was a big pain in the ass. Yeah. But we had that that wave, and I remember we broke, broke a board, and my friend got dragged across the reef, and we... Tipped up. The, no, it's a surgeon's table. Surgeon's table. Sorry. Surgeon's yeah. table, surgeon's and, we, table. <laughs> and we cracked, and I think maybe we broke one of the boxes out. And so we were, and I think we had three boards between us on that trip, and so we had to fix one of them. So I did the jungle fix of the fin box, and I realized, oh, it's not too bad to, to do it. Way better than a glass on, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Way better than a glass on. I think we had three boats that came by those two weeks. We were there for two weeks. Wow. And... Um, one of them was a sailboat, Aussies. The other one was a group from San Luis Obispo. That was cool because we hadn't had a, anything, a beer, anything. And they're like, come on the boat, have a beer. We're like, oh, you know? wow. And at that, and at that house, there were no chairs either. So we were sitting on the floor. And <laughs> forget how comfortable how chairs are. How fucking awesome, though. How, so were you tripping on this thing that fell into your lap, right? This project fell into your lap and then when you when you traveled packed your boards and shit with no fins it was unreal yeah yeah it was way like better your like mind your mind free but you could pack more in a bag smaller lighter i mean yeah. there's, there's so many wins there's yeah. so many boxes you're just like and i think already the australians were already traveling it. with the fcs yeah. yeah um and that last the last boat that came through was the indies trader and it was carol Tom Carroll and um, Ross Clark Jones. Oh my gosh, was on that. Bunch. And there was no swell. <laughs> it it might have been that whole movie then. It might have been the one where they shaved their head. Yeah. yeah. Because they showed up and there were no waves, right? Yeah, they're just partying. And, and I don't, I don't know if they were partying or what, but I remember they're like, "Whoa, where are you was, guys?" Was they saw there? us and they're like, yeah. "Where are you guys?" Was Strider there? I don't think so. <laughs> I think Strider was really young. No, no, no. no. He was, was he was he right there at that? He was, I guess, so. he was yeah, younger than them, but he was like yeah. wrong. I guess Strider's my age, right? Yeah, yeah. But, but um, yeah, they were there, and they're like, uh, I remember, I was like, oh, is there swell coming? Always something coming, mate. <laughs> you know, they, they were probably there's some huge swell, but we had to take off because my friend had come down with malaria like three days, <sighs> four days before that. So that's the that's the only drawback from doing that back then because yeah. uh, those islands were, were tons of malaria. Infested. But I think he got it in Sumatra to tell you the truth mm. because I don't think we were long enough for the incubation period to get malaria over yeah. there. But so he, you know, so malaria is you're sick for 24 hours then you're fine the next day. Then you're sick for 24 hours then you're fine. If you let that go on for two weeks you run out of blood. Wow. So it does malaria does that to you? Yeah. You're Sick and then fine and then sick. Yeah, and it's fine. like you got the flu for about twenty four hours and then you're fine and that then you get the flu again. So it's kind of it's a really weird. But we knew what it was, so we got medicine from Hosen, who we were staying with. He had the medicine right there, so yeah. we got a little medicine and we hightailed it out of there. Crazy. So we didn't get that next swell. I but that was the trip. After that trip, we came home from that trip, and that was like, 
Yeah. First off, we got Lance's right to ourselves for three different swells, right? Damn. We were happy when the boats came. Yeah. So I still got really vivid memories of, of some of the waves, you know. Such a good wave. By yourselves. By ourselves. Fuck. Yeah. We got a cultural experience. We hiked across, went over to Lance's left. When we were going over to Lance's left, we, we went were, to those spots, right? Yeah. Yeah. There was a couple shacks on the on the beach, and they abandoned the shacks. This woman abandoned the shack because she thought we were ghosts. Anton is what she called us. She wouldn't look at us when we passed. White her. devil. Yeah, white devil. <laughs> <laughs> Saw some guys. You know, it was a, it was an epic, epic trip, yeah. and that was Dude. definitely a life changing trip to go do that yeah. and to do it the first time that had futures. Um, and get back and it was like okay Game on. how do we get back there again yeah yeah <laughs> it's all about that the pursuit of happiness and that pursuit of happiness is surfing yeah but i mean you know you run into them too when you travel a lot too there's guys out there that they go do construction yeah for four or five months and yeah. then they go to Indonesia yeah or they did you know for sure I bartend mean, or fucking construction or whatever build up enough cash and then let's go get good waves yeah that's Surfer dream. I'm right sure there. still people still do that. Yeah, oh, right. absolutely. Yeah. All over the world, all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so you came back to the mainland. So we came back from that trip, and um, futures or future systems was already you know Stuart was buying it, and that was to make fins. And so we made our first uh, side bite was the first fin that I made, and then it went on from there to thrusters and whatnot. Crazy. And what was like. You know the process like did they have exclusivity on the boxes or were you just like they were the ones that kind of started it was there how did you market it to other shapers well it was pretty interesting it was successful right away yeah and so what happened was is a year after Worked we built out. the box it was only one year after the main partner sold it to an aerospace company we didn't know it was being sold so you wow. could tell that we were all like what, 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 what? now the story was is now you're you're part of a bigger company, and this aerospace company went out, and they bought a wakeboard company, and they bought a bunch of other stuff. So we were part of this big conglomerate, um, and I, you know, of course, my percentage got reduced from 15 to whatever, and my brothers, and we all, and no one was really happy with it. Um, but that went on for a little bit, and there the uh, there the aerospace company. The whole plan was to bring in composites. Um, know carbon fiber composites into the action sports world which was a noble concept and it was a good concept but it was just a little ahead of the time and that was 97 98 mm. and at that time it was a dot-com crash and when that happened they ran out of money and there was lots of issues and the only thing that was making money was future systems and we we're selling to uh, their Santa Cruz adopted it first Stuart was doing it. A lot of the longboard guys were doing it. Um, and it's still kind of in that so there was lombar, a longboard market? Yeah, there was a flow. I remember we did the shows when Action Sports owned it. They, they flew me out to do the shows. Um, so we did... Uh, Surf Expo. Surf Expo. ASR. And, and, and ASR. Yeah, mainly Surf Expo back then is what we were focused on. Yeah. And, you know, we were just trying, trying to sell it. And FCS was coming in. The market at that same time, I think in 1999, FCS was about 95% of the market. Yeah, yeah. I remember um, in Florida, there was a summer where they couldn't even sell a glass on board anymore. Wow. So it switched like that. Yeah. So we were right place, right time, but we were nothing on the map yeah. as far as like trying to get people to use 
futures because or futures systems at the time because it was a different philosophy on how to put the, the fins in. Yeah. So the aerospace in in this for a company that was bought it and running it, you guys still had the job. Like you guys were still the engineers and Yeah, so run. I I still built all the tooling and I didn't charge them for it. They just said we need a new mole and I built it. And um, and then at one point they said, Okay, well well we're gonna get rid of Curtis because they bought Curtis's company. Mm. Curtis went over with them and they kind of just sung and danced. And so Curtis kind of got screwed out of that one. And uh, they said, I'm gonna fire Curtis and we're, um, we're gonna take the tooling to China. It's like, well, wow. no, you're not. Well, well, yeah, we are. No, I never charge you for the tooling, it's my tooling. Wow. And so that's when I was like, okay. And then they put me on the board of directors <laughs> you know, we can't fuck with this guy. <laughs> yeah. And they were having problems meeting the minimum requirements for the license because Mark had a license with them. And so they were kind of get, getting pinched pretty hard between the two of us. So they put me on the board. They ran into the problems with the dot-com. They didn't have much money. And so they wanted to off everything. And that's when I put my hand up and said, I'll buy it. And then so I had to, had to make sure Fleming and um, sure. my partners were – were good with me taking it over and convincing them that I could do a better job than the aerospace guys. Because you needed them on board or it wasn't going to be Yeah, or else liable. I couldn't have done it. Yeah. I couldn't have done anything. You know? And they knew you were hands-on the whole time. And I was, so. yeah, and I, would already in the, the, I was already on the board of directors for the, uh, with the aerospace company, and I had already done all the trade shows. They'd flummed yeah. out and made me a part of the company um, early on, which was unusual, you know, to have your mold maker go and sell the product. Well, you knew the practical. And I, and I was the first. I was out there testing it, too. Yeah. I was yeah. the so first guys like, to bring it to Indo, and I found out the problems. I mean, it. they couldn't have been legit yeah. if, like, you had just the salesman that didn't know. Besides two shapers, right, you were the, the surfer slash engineer. Yeah, of and, and Curtis was kind of the me because he was the fin guru at that time, and I was just the guy who was put everything together. Yeah. So it was kind of interesting at the trade shows. I got to I got to meet Belzy, those early ones. I got to you know spend time with Randy Yater, uh, Brewer. I got yeah. to you know all these legends of the sport wanted to come talk to me because you know I was in, in a unique place where I could build whatever they wanted to, to build. And you wanted to keep it USA, you know. Well, yeah, because they wanted to go to China back yeah. in the late '90s. That's when everyone was going to China. Yeah, it was like no, no, no. no. We could do this here. Well, it was my that happened example. pretty quickly, right? Yeah, that all in 96. Yeah, so 96 um, was when it got patented. 95, we, I think it was all 95 were built. 96 got patented. Or did it get sold? I had to get a look. But, but yeah. you took over. I took over in 2000. So you, got all those guys on board, took over in 2000. And then all of a sudden, I had the checkbook. I was paying the bills. Wow. And the way I bought it was is not a big ton of money. It was, it was already had a cat. It already had, you know, a certain amount of customers, and there was cash flow, and I just took it on on time, and all I needed to do was increase the sales and pay my, pay my uh, bill to them. Yeah. You know, because it already had a cash flow, so I just need to keep. So it was it. like a, a, a buyout, but yeah. Yeah. You, you just said, hey, you'll get your money back over this course of the next. Five years or and their threat to us was is that they'll just stop selling they'll just stop and we already had 
you know, Stuart yeah. and a bunch of different customers who already like were in the production and dialed in, and we just could it would kill the momentum, you know, of the company. So it was like, okay, it was all happened real quick. Okay, I'll do it, and then. Boom. So, so the future, you know, like you said, FCS was dominating the market at the time. You know, they were first to market pretty much on the shortboard, and then you guys come in. How was the sales pitch of why your box was better or different? Like, you yeah, know, so like that's an interesting part so of like. You're right. You, you touched on the difference was is that um, FCS was was invented by a uh, glasser. Okay. And he was tired of putting these glass. Brian Whitty is his name, and, and I've, I've, I've talked to him. Like, and he lives in Indo, and heard the whole story from him nice. about how he was just tired of putting glass on. Yeah. And he took a leash plug and put a slot in it, and said, you know, and put it in, and that was kind of the, the beginning of FCS, just to save his time. He was done with putting glasses, glass on. Yeah. <laughs> Very labor, labor intensive, and it's it's a it's a tricky, you know, it's a, it's a craftsman. Like. But but the way the way that goes in, it goes in after you laminate the board. And so they're used to, and you put glass on after you laminate the board. So the flow that the board went through the shop was the exact same with the other guys. And so when if someone wanted to switch over, they did, there wasn't much fuss. They just had to buy the tooling. It was super easy. You can put any kind of idiot on there and drill two holes, fill them with resin, put the plug in, and then go back and, and sand it. Ours was, okay, well, this is going to save you a day. You don't have to wait for the board to cure. You're going to put the boxes in and the foam, and then you're going to lamb, and you don't have that extra day where you got to wait for the lamb to go before you put the fins on. You just sand it open, and you're good to go. Yeah. Wow. So we were selling the philosophy. We were selling not just a box, but we were selling change your production. Efficiency. Efficiency. Cost. Yeah, you, you're going to save time. Yeah. Um, the only thing was the install was a little bit more critical, and you just can't have the lowest tiered guy put put it in. Yeah. And that was our barrier that we had to get the shops over. So we were selling. So, so when I – and the main thing was I needed to get – if I was going to – be successful, I couldn't just do it here in the US. I had to get everybody on board. The reason why I had to get everybody on board because Rusty CI, all the big name brands wouldn't use it unless they were supported in these other countries. Because mm. they didn't want to put this fin box on the board and then have the guy go to Indonesia, break a fin and he'd be, yeah. you know, or go to Australia or go to Europe. So, so right away I was like, okay, I need to set up distribution everywhere. Yeah. And so I was just get on. I would go and sell, and all I needed to do was lock in a couple customers, and then and then I'd have some flow for the distributor. So, so your your first priority was working with all the big shapers to for them to implement your fin boxes into the. That's what we needed to get the big shapers on it, but they wouldn't touch it unless we were being supported around the and other around countries. The world. Yeah. 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 So and then the shops wouldn't take it unless the shapers were pushing it. Yeah. And so we had to get the shops and it was like this whole chicken and egg thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cause I, I'm trying to get to where you become more of a uh before you're like a wholesale brand, right? Like to the shapers. Yeah. And not really selling to stores. Yeah. Right? We kind of had to do both at the same time. Yeah. Like we had to support Stuart. So Stuart was the, the main guy 
with his board. So we had to support wherever his boards yeah. go. So that kind of opened us up. And then we didn't really have, and then Santa Cruz was easy because they had kelp and uh, FCS never got gone there because remember the, the gap and they would catch kelp. And so Santa Cruz was like a real stronghold with us with Doug Hout and uh, Coletta and Stretch and uh, who else? There was a bunch of guys that Freeline. just took it on. Right, well, yeah, um, Pete, Pete was one of our first, you know, and that came from JC. JC actually was our first guy. John Carper? John Carper. Nice. Wow. John Carper was the first guy who really started to push it. In 2001, he introduced me to his licensee in Australia, and that's when I flew down from, I was in Indonesia and flew down from there and yeah. set a guy up. Business trip. Yeah. Mixed business <laughs> with pleasure. Yeah. So crazy. So, Okay. You're supporting each shaper, right? And I know you're saying retail too, but each shaper back then had their own fins and their their own fin template. Yeah, right? yeah. So I'm, I'm so that was myself. So that was the the. So I don't know if you remember, but it wasn't just us and FCS. Yeah. Do you you remember? X. You remember Red X. Red X. Speed fins on a mission. Official turnaround. Oh, official. Uh, yeah. yeah. Official. And I think there was uh, one or two more. And I remember, I remember that there was a trade show, and um, and this was in the late 90s in uh, Long Beach where um, Red X and FCS were battling for Kelly Slater. Mm. The rumor was Kelly Slater was going to sign with Red X. Wow. You know, and that would have been more like, oh, great, what are we going to do now? Yeah. So we were, we were, we were battling for you know, market share position market share yeah. position for shapers and at that time it was really about shapers yeah and so my end with these guys was exactly that they would have glass-ons that they would take to the glass-on companies and what I did was I said well I'll go build your tools what do you want what do you need you know and I think my my position at that time was being a great listener you know I would go and sell but I would listen and whatever these guys wanted and yeah. whether it be uh, Merrick or Carper or um, who else? Arakawa was like one of the first molds I made. Um, and it was like, okay, what do you want? Yeah, okay, well, I want this template. How do you want it thick? So they're talking with the guy who was going to make it, not some salesman. And I'd go back, I'd yeah. come back home, and I would build the tool myself. I'd go back, and I'd, I'd bring them along the ride with me, show them what the process was and how they want the stiffness. No other company was doing that for them. And that's how I got these guys on board. Yeah, and so the, you know, right away after we took over, we filled the catalog out with a bunch of different templates. And Doc, Doc was yeah. so Doc was the first um, shortboard we ever put it into. Wow! And I got the board right here in my office, dude. Girl export. Wow. We we had Doc and Amber, the cutest yeah. couple in the surfboard industry. Yeah, sure. on the on the podcast. And I wrote for them for many years, and I I think yeah, all my boards were future. Yeah, really. Doc's Doc's got a funny story about when we first came in and, and tried to sell them, you know, <laughs> and uh, you know I was young, and and it's just funny to hear him say it. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll have to have him on the podcast again and ask him about that, but. Well, so what a yeah, what a point of difference of like, hey, you got the box, but like following through of like. I got to make the fins yeah. to, you know, win over certain people. And because of, like Linda mentioned, like everybody has their own templates and, you know, how's my fin template going to work with your system? And yeah, you're the problem solver. Yeah. And, and, you know, cause just, you're, cre sorry to interrupt, but you're creating a bunch of different 
categories in an industry. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what they they were already there because FCS had already kind of kind of developed the model, mm. and that, you know, FCS is Fin Control Systems, and I don't know if you know McClausland, uh, which I got to know. Um, that was to control every fin sold in the world. Mm. And around about 2000, they just about had 90% of every fin sold in the That's world. That's crazy. Yeah, they accomplished their goal. But it was built off the back of Gorilla Grip. Yeah. And Gorilla Grip was the competitor of AstroTech. Yeah. So they, they were way ahead of us with distribution at that time. Crazy. So they, they had already established distribution, and you know, that's the hardest thing to develop. You gotta yeah. get people all around the world on your side to sell your product. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember the early, like, selling pitch, I guess, would be like, you know, hey, you know, FCS, you know, the fin will break off at the tabs and it won't damage the box and, you know, you just pop in a new fin yeah. or whatever, yeah. Yeah. you know? But then it's like, you know, the, the, the flex and the stress level, you know, is going to too little, you know, it's not equally distributed versus, like, the futures, which is, like, you got a real feeling of a glass on, yeah. you know? Like, I don't know if things change. I don't really follow... That happens now, but it's it still like, our selling point. The full base, the full base, lock the whole fin into the board, yeah, um, and get a better uh, power transfer from your fin to your board. So here comes yeah. the tech. This is what I'm looking at. Dude, that's what I want to know. That's pretty impressive, Lar. Um, the but the he's, one screw thing was attention. yeah, the one screw thing. Yeah, like I'm a great listener. Yeah, you hear me? I'm whoa, whoa. <laughs> here, let me interrupt. Let me interrupt. Go, Lennon. <laughs> You did. <laughs> no, but the one screw thing was what sets you apart, in my mind, selling boards back Such in the day. Such a simple man. Yeah. The one screw. Yeah. 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 I'm not going to name the shaper, but uh, I picked up a board. And shame on me is I, I got a board and I was so frothing. No screws. Straight down the lowers. No straight out there. Better yet is I've broken a lot of boards and I've always been like the guy that backs the screws out and takes them and I had a... I had a little box in the, my car, and I'm like, down. I think I was at uppers by the time I was, it was winter. Anyway, so I'm like, fucking no fin screws. Are you kidding me? I'm like, oh, I got, I run up the hill. This is back when I had a skateboard. I'm like, I can't skate. I run up to my car, grab it, come down, and they're all the wrong screws because they're for, they're different size for the holes. Yeah. So and I was so, so that was a that was something that we changed right away. Yeah. <laughs> I was like. Yeah, we went we we went through a lot of little yeah. like I mean if I the the box had a steel pin it had a brass insert in there for the threads and went through a lot of learning curve on how to get threads so they don't strip how yeah. to how to get those pins out I mean and and. You know, when, when I took over and, and all of a sudden I was responsible for paying everybody and I had the checkbook, it was a series of 30-day sprints. Mm. I got two payrolls within those 30 days. I got to make sure those payrolls are done. And then I got to make sure I pay my plastic or my raw material suppliers. And so it was like, and it was like, well, they give me 60 and then you try and collect the money. And it was every 30 days. Yeah. We're on the go. Every, you know, once we have the money yeah. for payroll, then we start looking at collecting to pay our bills. And that's tough when you're paying one supplier or a couple that like a yeah. lot of money, Dude. and then you're collecting from hundreds of little accounts that aren't paying, you know, on time or you know, it's like that transfer yeah. of money. What's it's not easy? What's crazy is you were thrown into being a business owner and learning the intricacies of checks and 
the P and L, right? Like yeah, yeah, I had no real and the cash flow and yeah. all that shit. Like, because yeah. you luckily you're a smart guy, right? Well, luckily we were we were we had the margin in the product, and you know we were the manufacturer, and there was no middleman. So we bought the raw, and then we sold the, the retail, and so we had the margin in it. Um, now we just need to collect, and we needed to. Yeah. So I had the I, I had the ability to do it off the cash flow. Yeah. Um, so, um, once once you guys got the shapers on board, right, and then I, I was kind of trying to get to that point where, you know, I'm looking at a John John Florence poster, oh. right, and he's got his own templates and fins and all that yeah like that you know and, when, and i'm you know the categories in the business right like selling the shapers creating shapers fins you know that was the beginning you know that was the beginning the shapers fins were the beginning yeah and that was to get them on board so yeah. that we could even have access to the team riders yeah. yeah otherwise if they weren't on boarders we didn't have access and that was one of the beautiful beautiful things about carper is carper just broke away from rusty mm. and so carper oh. Or was it Rusty or HIC? HIC. No, I think Rusty. it was HIC, and then it was Rusty, and then he broke away, and he started his own brand, and he had Dorian. Yeah. So, and Carver was smart. Uh, yeah. John's a smart guy. Yeah. He, uh, he knew he had a point of difference. He needed a point of difference between Rusty and Merrick and Doc and whoever else was was up there. It was Merrick, and then there was a bunch of princes. It was yeah. do and Rusty still, and... You know, like so he needed a point of difference, and he had Shane Dorian, who was up and coming. So he did the deal with us, and he was our first fin. And it was like, and I was kind of Curtis was kind of the lead on fin technology, and how that went went down is I would build the, the foils, so I would do all the CNC work for him, and then he would go and and take the the foils and then hand shape this stuff. That was before wow. we were cutting on the CNC. It wasn't later, and we, I taught him how to, how to draw, and, and then we started cutting on the CNC. Um, but it was that technology of, and that was a point of difference that we sold, uh, sold to, was is that our foils are better than anyone else's. Yeah. We actually care. And there's, you know, and he, Curtis had this whole history of wind, windsurf fins. And windsurf is what what they learn how important a fin is. Yeah. Because of the power transfer going from you know a big sail, and the only thing that's keeping them going straight and fast, and is that sail comes down and the power comes off that fin. If that fin slips, they're done. Yeah. And so that's when foils got really good, and they started to learn what foils work good in water. So we had all that history where we took and we put it on our fin templates which to my knowledge wasn't done before what you know foils like a lot of shapers i would go and i'd sell the system and then i would sell our fins which was our foils yeah our foils and our materials so this is our foil this is that we'll take your template and yeah. you know modify it into our technology and win-win some of the best shapers in the world when i would bring in our my samples of the fin and the foil i would go check the foil they wouldn't even know what i was talking about seriously <laughs> feel around the outside of the edge and I'd say no right here feel this yeah this is what it's like the concave on the inner side of the yeah thing. yeah like, but but on the and this just a flat foil it was just that outside foil yeah outside curve outside curve yeah because I mean shapers you know I, I'm just imagining they're shaping a board 
right? Yeah. We're shaping a board. And they're buying fins. Yeah. You know, you know, a lot of the older school shapers, like like you mentioned, Doc was your first. Those guys knew a lot about like fins and templates. Fins. And, yeah. You know, Sam, Egan, Sam Egan, Sam um, Egan, Rennie Yater, um, these guys, that generation, what they would do is they would build a board around the fin. Hmm. And every hmm. time they come up with a new board, they come. They also have a matching fin with it. Interesting. It wasn't until like the 90s, I think guys started getting away from that and they standardized. You know, there was the Merrick thruster. Um, which kind of was the, the rake thruster was was it all AM3? over the place? Was it? Yeah. yeah. No, it was the it was the AM, AM. and and Al came up with it with a sm smaller center fin. Yeah. And then a lot of the a lot of the fin designs out of Australia were really similar too. Yeah. yeah. And so when they did the foil, and there wasn't much thought put into the foil. It was like let's sharpen the leading edge, take three passes with the grinder, and let's let's make this a um, take you know five passes with the grinder on the trailing edge because the thing is going to get put on the board yeah. and then they're going to put glass over it and then it's going to be resanded again. Yeah. How, how successful that Merrick fin and that template is till to this day I, I see pros everywhere just people and fins stand out and there's branding on it and you'll see some guy on his shaper's board with Merrick fins and I just like <laughs> yeah. such, it's just bad it's bad it's just bad I agree with you good, you know good for Merrick but it's just like yeah and it, I think there's a lot of like I mean, a lot of misunderstanding in fins, yeah. and I think pros are the worst. And, Don't look at me. And <laughs> I think they're the worst, or they were the worst. Now I think our pros are getting a lot better. Yeah. The guys who I work with now, and um, the, some of the shapers that we work with are, are educating their surfers, but for the most part, they're bad, and they they're, don't have very good understandings because they get so many boards. Yeah. So if you get so many boards, you want to put the same fin in that board because a lot of times how I would sell these guys is our fins are the constant in the equation. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Trig over here. <laughs> it remains constant. Other variables, your your rocker, your your tuck of the rail, or those are constantly changing, and and there's not a whole lot of um, um, repeatability, especially when. Um, you know, every time they glass a board, the, the, the resin will shrink at the a weight. rate. And yeah, the weight if it's, if and it's a it summer sucks. day. It's, right, so there's yeah. a lot of variability. And so I would say, like, you can trust the fin is going to be the same every time. Yeah. So you throw that fin on all your different boards, and okay, so that's what they ride. They ride that fin. Yeah. When, but it's when, changing a lot now. When um, I was thinking back of working the boardroom at HSS and selling fucking thousands of boards glass on you know yeah. like back then it was mostly glass on fins that we sold definitely and towards the end you know you guys were coming on but it's so wild because no one ever talked about fins mm -hmm. you know like never like never you you never talked about fins no rake foil whatever yeah. you never even thought about it and it was all about the shape of the fucking board. Yeah. And the label and, and everything else that went with it. But yeah, you're right. I mean, it, and it just wasn't talked about. It wasn't talked about. And, and honestly, like, now that we're here and in, in you, I mean, now it's about fins, you know? Yeah, I mean, the guys are so on tour now are so good, right? And there's not much difference between those top 10 guys, yeah. right? 
And so now it's coming down to small percentages and they're starting to pay really a lot of attention to fence. Yeah. And do they, did, you know, you guys got, I mean, a crazy lineup of athletes that you work with. They're all different. They're all different, right? Yeah. They're Based all different. on their body, their type of surfing, their body mechanic, like the way every, I mean, there's that, Everything. but there's also like who's their shaper, where yeah. are they from, yeah. what's their influence been, mm. um, how, you know, how, who's their coach, um, you know, a lot of times now they all got coaches, the coaches, whoever their coaches is kind of yeah. pushing them to, to figure out some of the, the details like fins. Yeah. So, so where, where they are at and what they ride and their mindset, like I can't take John's fence and go give it to like it'll they're on a different yeah. thought process and those guys are so involved and attuned to their equipment like yeah they feel stuff that there's no way you yeah. and I could feel yeah. they feel things that like you wouldn't believe that they would feel so yeah. I mean we always talk up I mean you talked about the first barrel on Southside. Yeah. And how long ago was that? 30, yeah. 40, you know, like that <laughs> yeah. was a long time ago. Like when, you know, and this could be in any athlete or any extreme, you know, but surfing, you're so hyper-focused and these guys are that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, every time they hit the water, yeah. you know, and they know the subtle Well, they're being filmed too. So yeah. that's so they, the they other get, thing. They get the memory come back, but. Documented. And, and so for them studied. too, it's not just about feeling. Like, God, it feels great, but shit, it didn't look as good as yeah. the other ones. Oh, well, I got to go they back to the other ones because, yeah. you know, it's like, like they, Jordy says, what do they want to see? Yeah. yeah. I could do anything. What do they want to see? Hmm. So, like, me, you know, I'm, I'm a novice surfer, right? And my, one of my favorite boards is the Tim Stamps um, Spark Plug, right? And I think the first fins I got were the AM2 with the, with the, slightly bigger trailer fin yeah right and that fucking board that setup is magic right and I wasn't really buying in on different fins you know and I was like fins are fins right like I wasn't believing the the theories right yeah and I got another one and I, I wanted to get new fins, try something different, right? Yeah. Or actually, I think I went to the store and they didn't have the AM, the, the AM twin that I, I wanted. And I think I, I went to some other template. It was a Rostovich or fucking, I forget the other ones, a Captain Fin one. So I tried a bunch of different ones and I was like, holy shit, these are all so different. I didn't like them, but they are so different, right? And then I go back to the fucking AM twin. I'm like, holy shit. These, this is the equation right here. This is the math equation that I need <laughs> to love this board, right? And then I went again, and I, I, I don't know if I gave away my AM2 twin, so I had to find another fin, and they didn't have it, right? So I put the Machados on. And the Machados were like, not better, but different in a better way. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, like for a person that wasn't really a, a, a believer of like, oh, yeah, it's just a gimmick, all the different fins, it's not. It's not. <laughs> yeah, it's not. I'm in, and that's where I was when I was in the front office and I was telling you about the, the difference between templates and then difference between foil and how you can get as much as a 30% difference in foil 
in that lift drag ratio. Yeah. As whereas fins change in template, you get about, you know, what I think 12, 15% difference at the max. Yeah. So your that 12, 15% difference between the captain and whatever you were changing it up, there wasn't a foil difference. But that Machado has a foil. So mm. you felt that big difference. Mm. And in that and that foil, like it's it's hard. You can't even notice it. You have to look at the fin to yeah. to really see it or feel it. Yeah. But it makes that big of a difference. Tell, tell us that thing you were saying earlier that I said. Oh, we got to talk about that in the podcast. The fins create drag lift. The- yeah. So so your fins are on the bottom of your board to kind of to create disturbance, really, and that's going to break you free of your track. And those fins are creating lift. They're creating lift because they create a high pressure, low pressure. But doing that, they also create drag. So our holy grail in fin design is to create a high lift fin with low drag. That's it. High lift, low drag. High lift. That should be a t-shirt. <laughs> this guy, marketing guy over here. Screw it and go surf and then high lift, low drag. High yeah. lift, low drag. I'm, I'm yeah. high lift. I, <laughs> it could be interpreted a few different ways. Jay's already, my Jay's mind's gone. Uh, um, but yeah, I mean, like Lyndon said, like, you know, when we grew up, there was, you know, the fin system came in kind of in, you know, the late 90s or mid 90s, and then it came into now fins, and you walk into the shops. It's confusing. It's a big category. And, and now you see like, you know, 50 pegs at some, some of these shops, and yeah. it's, you know, thrusters and quads. I mean, how great has business been that, you know, surfing has now grown into this mid length and this fun board and this twin and this high performance quad yeah. and you know and really pushed you guys to really you know hone in and develop like so many different variations but your skew count is crazy yeah, yeah so there's a hundred somewhere like 150 skews and seems seems huge but you got to think about like we're tires on a car yeah you know, like you got your off-road tires you got your car tires street for your Lamborghini, snow, yeah. snow, mud snow. You got your everyday yeah. truck tires got your like you know so there's a lot of different skews because there's a lot of different boards that we have to cater to yeah I think you know I got around about 2000 I think four 2004 right around there we got really kind of creative with uh, inside foil and what we did and, and we were and we were coming out with all kinds of different models with really experiential differences and that was I think during that time we, we made a lot of headway with like showing pros and different surfers like there's a massive difference when you change your fins. And but we got way too out there and got way too confusing uh, our customer base yeah. because you couldn't really tell them when to ride what and 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 why, you know. And so I think around about 6 or 7 we had to kind of scale back. I think one of the factories that was building for us overseas imploded and so I didn't want to bring new tooling over and so I really scaled everything back around about 2000 simplified things and tried to simplify it and then from then on it became the game of like how do we how do we sell this better how do we how do we message and educate without pigeonholing the fins too much well that's when you focus your product instead of relying on the next flashy advertising campaign you want to be (laughs) You'd be authentic and challenging the status quo, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. And that where did you read that from, bro? From website. <laughs> I did some digging on the World Wide Web. Um, but no, for sure. I mean, it's it. You gotta, you know, you 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 gotta sell, and you gotta have 
you know, marketing's, I mean, as in, as important as is design and everything, you go hand in hand, you know, so. Yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta promote and you have to message. But you gotta, you know, yeah. send a concise, straight, you know, message and stay true to it and yeah. this is what we do. Yeah, and, and so why. that's where, that's where ride number came up, mm. where we, we, we classify the fins with a number. And if you know the numbering system, we've got uh, high numbers for speed generating, low numbers for speed control. Similar to what leaders are to a board, but you guys were before that on the fin side of it, yeah. you know? Like, yeah, area area and leaders is really similar. Yeah. Area and leaders is really similar. I would say with the speed generating versus speed control, if you're going to look at a surfboard, it's more like rocker. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Makes sense. I'm confused again. <laughs> Do you know what rocker is? is? Lennon. Yeah. Lennon yeah. Lennon's response is like free pair of fins, and I'm, we'll pay for it. Well, you ride a flat rocker and... and that mushy surf right yeah. out here, yeah. right? And then you ride a lot more rocker when it gets hollow, where you take to Indo or something. Okay. Um, so more rake, right? So so rake and the how much rake there is, neutral pivot, rake, neutral pivot, That that's more about um, your turn arc. Um, that's more about settling the board down so if you have a, a real high rocker board and it's a little bit uncontrollable or loose for you you throw in a really raked fin and that will settle that mm. down a little bit where if you have a low rocker board you put a rake you might struggle to pull around in your turns you want to move to a neutral or pivot fin in that low rocker see i'm you getting educated them. dude you lost them no i got it i got it yeah i mean it's it's three-dimensional when you when you really think about it because so there's six different variables when you think about your fins and the shaper controls three of them they they put the placement on and usually it's always your side fins are always going to be an inch and an eighth away from the rail that's like the most critical dimension that's standard that's what everyone does maybe yeah. an inch and a quarter uh, but inch and the eighth is where it's at yeah then they set the toe so they set so they go and they put a mark an inch and an eighth from the rail and then they when how they draw that line they set the toe and the toe might be three degrees or four degrees right and then they set the cant when they put the boxes in those are the shapers three. those are the shapers three we control the template so whether it's rake neutral or pivot we control the foil whether it's flat foil or there's a lot of detail in our foil and we control the flex Dude, a lot going on. This has been a fucking Im amazing educational podcast it for has. surfers, for core surfers. For, for yeah, for kooks or standout rippers like you or <laughs> no, it is. I mean, it, it's super fascinating. You yeah, know, and there's so much like things going on. Yeah, lots to, of little details and nuances yeah. that that you know could be causing you to feel certain things. Yeah, you know. Well, it can change your outlook on a board, right? Like, absolutely. That's why. That's why. What's so good about the fin system is that you get a board, and if you don't like it, you just switch your fins. Yeah. You know, and the more you know about the fins, and the more educated you are on the fins, you can make that right choice based on what you feel from what you didn't like about the yeah. board. Yeah. And, and, and all and that information based on conditions. And conditions. You know, if you if you're not spoiled like us, and you have multiple boards for all the different conditions. You know, you can essentially make your one board, you know, change a little bit for different. Yeah, like one one good example of that is let's say you're overgunned, 
let's say you broke your shortboard, you got a, a step up, yeah. and the waves aren't really like where you would use that step up, you go and take, put a black stick in. Black stick's like a ride number of nine, super flexible with foil. All of a sudden, it'll light that step up up. You can start making. Is it straight up, or is it got a little rig? Well, we've got so the so black sticks is what it means is this foil and a lot of flex, Mm. and it's in a variety of different templates. Okay. So if you if you had a uh, let's say you had a lot of rocker in that board and you rode it with a rake fin, you'd probably ride a rake black stick, and all of a sudden it will light liven up that board. And so you could take that step up in smaller surf and still, you know, feel like you can surf to your potential. I got a really good step up. I might have to get a pair of those. Yeah, and I find that like it's it's just great. Like if you want to be overgunned, but you still yeah. want to loosen it up, that yeah. you could totally change it with your fins. I'm just thinking. Small I like the leaders. Right. You know, <laughs> I'm like, wow, this thing feels really yeah, good. Especially if there's current. Yeah. Small, medium, yeah. and large. Like what? What's the difference? So small, medium, and large is based off the area, which would be equivalent to a board in liters. So, um, and it's about. It's about a square inch difference between small, medium, and then medium and large, there's about a square inch difference between each fin. So is that kind of like your, you base what size you are by the size you are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So weight, power, yeah. So I, you know, obviously, you know, depending on how you surf, you know, there's like a lot of light-footed surfers that yeah. don't need a... So if you you're know, a light-footed surfer, it's pretty consistent though. If you weigh 150 pounds, 160, you're going to be in the medium category. If you're 180, 190, you're going to be in the large. And then if you're over 200, you want to be at the upper end of the large. Mm. And it's pretty consistent. And then once you know that, yeah. then you can st- start to look at the board you got, and you can start to look at the conditions. And then you can, th- from that medium, so first you pick your medium, and then from that medium in that medium category, you got a lot of different things to pick from. You could pick the solid fiberglass because it's going to be pumping and all you want to do is you want to make a really solid nice bottom turn, pull that up holds. and set your line and hold. Yeah. yeah. Or um, or if it's a flat face wave and you got to get that board moving from rail to rail and you're going to be hopping around on it, you want something with yeah. foil and you want some flex in it. Yeah. What is, you know, we're looking <laughs> at... you stay with medium. Yeah. And certain boards like rake and certain boards like neutral and you find what works with rake neutral and then you move in that so medium raked fin and then you can move to a, a, what I'd say a black stick which has got foil and flex or you move down to a raked uh, fiberglass fin or tech flex hmm. I know a lot to think about a lot to think about I, I spent a lot of time it's just fucking awesome looking and, and reading you know what what people are on and comp- yeah, it's it's interesting. Yeah, I see it as a grid. It's yeah, three D grid. If we put it out on there, you'd say the upper left hand corner is your loosest fin. The upper bottom right hand corner is the stiffest. Yeah, dude. What you know? There's surfers out there like a Philippe who's been pretty on quad. You know, Kelly rides a lot of quads. You know, it is. You know. What do you see, like where fins are going? You think it's, you know, the tri the tri fin is still like the most dominant. Like it probably won't change except for. I I see it moving back. You know, like this isn't the quads. What um, remember Nathan Fletcher, 
stretch got shaper of the year. Yeah. Big boom in quads. Big Cole, boom. Cole was the and twins as well. You know, you look like a job. Well, so went to quad or, and then quads kind of dried up a little bit and thruster became the main thing and then now twins everybody's hot on twins. Yeah. But I think I think twins are are great and they've for not for com- competition. Yeah, not for competition. Yeah. 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 I mean, more, for I mean, if you're talking competition. They're either they're either on a quad or a thruster. Yeah. Well, you look, you know, if you just watch the footage, okay, you look at Kerr or uh, Asher Pacey or some of these guys are just like they're surfing like great waves. They're not out. In yeah, slot, those are perfect you know? waves. And they have time to compensate, think ahead, kind of adjust what they want to do because they have time. If you're out, like whether you're, you know it's competition, you're trying to just rip, you know, or yeah. your junky beach break. You know, you're probably going to stick to a thruster. Yeah, and you got to imagine like they're surfing for the judges. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, guys like Jordy can do any type of turn he wants. Anytime, anywhere. anytime, anywhere, so you, any part of the wave. You got the want... best of the best right now. Yeah, you got Italo. Yeah, I think we got seven in the top ten right now. Damn, good for you. Yeah. Congratulations. Thanks. Long time coming. And you got the best podcast ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and you're not just making fins; you're making leashes. No, no, no. You went. No, we make fins. We just make fins now. We make fins. We do traction too, um, but just fins and traction. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And uh, I mean, you 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 got a thriving, great business here. How many employees you you got on staff? Yeah. So here in the U.S., I think we're at like forty. 45 and are is it is a machinery are you two shifts or saturday shift or you know is there well, certain times where you, you know and the, and the high times which we just came off the high times covid when everyone's surfing we had yeah two shifts two shifts yeah. and stuff yeah yeah and um man you know you're located here in huntington you're not too far from the beach right where you first got yeah. your, your first gig with your brother in his garage yeah right around the corner was where we started yeah so awesome. most of your production, you said, what, 70% U.S. Yeah, made? so everything, uh, all the boxes are all made here. All the alpha fins are all made here. All the vapor core fins are all made here. And all the thermotech fins are made yeah. here. Yeah. What did you say? You employ 40 people yeah. in the, yeah, right in the community? There. That's insane. Yeah. That's great American dream right there. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of responsibility, but then... Yeah, we've got to make that payroll every two Yeah, days. yeah. yeah. What? That, that's never changed that's and never, never going away. The 30-day sprint has never changed. Yeah. What kind bigger. of board are you writing it's now? It's bigger, and if you make a mistake, it's a lot harder to recover. Oh. Yeah. You know, back then you can make a mistake and you can recover. Yeah. But, I, you know, as you've gone through the trials and tribulations of making errors like everybody does in a, in a business and growing, like, you know, I, I think you guys, you know, have found your, not just a niche, but, like, you know, like you're a staple in the surf industry. Like you're a brand, you're a company, you're you're like a, you know. Yeah, we're rooted. You're yeah, rooted. We're like, rooted, yeah. Well, I, I feel like too, you know, everyone jumps in a category, right? When a category is successful, it becomes a hot, you know, everyone tries to do it. Everyone jumps on the bandwagon. Sunglasses. Yeah, you mentioned there was a, you know, yeah, handful of brands doing this in the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, that was full system. I mean, there's still a bunch of small, small brands out there in all the different continents that 
are doing fins for sure and so we we can you know compete against all those guys all over the world yeah um but it's not it's it's a niche yeah it's, I mean, a, it's a niche and i think you guys have you know done such a good job of it, it it's going to make it hard for other people to well, it's going to be really hard to get in because of the infrastructure needed to do i mean you could go you could take our fin and send it to a factory in china and say here make this yeah and they'll do it for you yeah. but what you get you know you gotta you're going to be careful about what you get they're going to cut on the resin they're right. going to cut on the glass they're you yeah. know it's the fit function is not going to be the there look at you look at the functionality and the yeah. The fit function, and that's a, what fins have, is they there needs to be a real good fit function. Yeah. And, it, you know, unless you're on top of the quality, whatever you get overseas, that's going to be a nightmare, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you're going to do it here and you're going to do it for yourself, look at the infrastructure you need. And well, then just this yeah. R&D of, you know, you know, concept, to, you know, design to concept of production right here to yeah. testing you know yeah where do you start I, where do you start i mean there's there's other brands like just recently uh board brands that go well we want to own our we want to own the market and we want to do we need to make more money we need to do this so they go out and they do fins and they find out that you know first off you don't have 150 schools you excuse the shop may not want to deal with you because you're not going to cover all the boards in the shop yeah, yeah. you know if you're only, only going to try and sell maybe three SKUs, but if you're not and you're going to try and do 100 SKUs, man good you know now you got to yeah. move all those things and you yeah. better have the distribution they don't so yeah there's a lot of variables there's a lot of variables Challenges. and you got to think surf is not that big no and and you're not buying a surfboard fin unless you're a surfer yeah right for sure, that's true. I mean, you, I mean, most surfers don't even understand it anyway. Yeah, that's and true. And the guys who do understand it, they're they're fanatics about it, right? So we're selling to surfers, where there's not that really that many. Yeah. Any other uh, crossover sports that you guys dabble in, or is it just strict surf? No, just straight surf. Um, you're not. You're foiling though, aren't you? Oh uh, yeah, kind of. <laughs> you're that guy out there. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I, I, I would dabbled in it, and I uh, um, wanted to get into it, but the, the business at that time when foiling got going, it was just really needed. I keep using that yeah. excuse. To be, My kids and work. Yeah, kids and work. And it's really foil. expensive. Things are freaking it's like expensive. three or four grand. And I don't want to get into it unless I'm going to build them. Yeah, that's know? cool. Because I think what we do here is, you know, I'm the customer. Well, that's when, I, that's yeah. when we think about other industries. I saw that. Foil board, and I'm like, are you yeah. testing any other? Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 that's pretty old, and I got into it. I have some drawings, and my team riders want me to make the foil. Yeah, I bet. You know, and and foiling has done wonders for these guys. Yeah. Because once they get on the foil, they start to realize how important their foil is. All of yeah. And so there's I no wasn't all the design. There's, and, there's yeah, no, yeah, no, 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 it's the straight it's, it's straight foil, and yeah. when it the when the foil's right. It feels really good when it's wrong. It's yeah. really bad. How funny! And they realize this, and it's the same, very similar shape that's on our surfboard fins. Yeah. So it wasn't until he got hurt, and he was foiling, and he had that experience where we came in and redid the foils. Can you tell him not to get hurt anymore? Yeah. Fuck. We're talking about JJ. He really messes up the uh, oh. fantasy surfer yeah. roster. Yeah. But um, we were able to go back and redesign and um, go back at the beginning of what the foil should look like and what he had. And we went and we tried a bunch of different variations. Very, you know, you know what a 16th of an inch is? Yeah. Okay. 
his, uh, his wiener. I mean, we're, we're moving sixteenths of an inch. Yeah, don't <laughs> it's a date, right? <laughs> <laughs> you can cut that out. Sixteenth of an inch don't is a date, right? Talk to you like that. No. Isn't that a Saturday? <laughs> <laughs> hey, how much is that? Sixteenth. So we're 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 doing the smallest little adjustments, and he's feeling, yeah, that's yeah. good, that's good. So we had all that time. And then after we got the foil down, then we started to work on a template. And after we got the template done, then we started working on foil. And so what we came out with over the last, what, three, four years since he originally got hurt and what we're going to be coming out with. It's um, a long that R&D was, process. Yeah, it was a long R&D process. And, and, and the fun one was when he was getting ready for the Olympics. Mm. And so he was here for five days before he went to the Olympics. Wow. And in those five days, we made a prototype every day. And he served it and came back, and it was the first time that we had that. We're so fast because yeah. usually we'll make a prototype and give it to him. Yeah, Fuck, I don't know. We're here for do, six do you, weeks. Do you, do you ever guys get any? I wouldn't say hate mail or fan mail or email or snail mail or whatever of people that buy a fin. Like, I'm not surfing like Italo. This sucks. Or I'm not surfing like John John. This sucks. Like, you get, yeah. I mean, like, I'm a little disconnected <laughs> from the customer service, but. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, we see lots of stuff like that. Or it's just know. like looking at the comment but, section, right? But yeah, I just, I just. <laughs> but not know. that, not 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 really. Yeah. I mean, it's rare because I mean, like I said, a lot of these guys have already done their research. And yeah. yeah. They're avid surfers and they buy four boards a year. Because we see it on you know talking with shops and, and shapers and stuff. You get a, you know you get good and feed good and bad feedback regardless, and yeah. it's just like yeah. I I think the last. I, two I think years, it might be the the operator. <laughs> Not yeah. the equipment most of the time. Yeah, it's the, the last two years. It's the Indian, not the arrow. <laughs> yeah, the last two years you see the big influx of, of a lot of beginners. And so, yeah, yeah I, think, I think the shops and the shapers and even us are seeing a lot more of the novice questions yeah. asking about the equipment. What, what board are you riding? Yeah, so I'm riding whatever models that we're building fins for. Um, you know, so quads... I, like I wrote a quad today, and that was because we're working on some quads, so I wanted to have a quad for that. Nice. Twin fins, I've been, like, in the last, like, three years, I've had all kinds of twin fins. Probably got, like, four or five right now that I'm switching back when we're working on the twin fins. So I'm riding whatever, or, like, when we were doing the uh, thrusters, you know, I, I got a couple stamps thrusters. Or, yeah. You know, what what shapers do you like? Put me on the spot. Come on, like bro. Mom, man. <laughs> <laughs> you share love to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I have re- good relationships with a whole lot of shapers. That's and so that's the perks. Yeah. Right I, I, you know, and I, you know, I've I've spent a lot of time on all these different continents, going into glass shops and meeting with shapers from all over the world. Yeah. So um, what you're trying to say is your best board ever was the Carl Hayward. <laughs> <laughs> Could have been at his best at that time. With glass on fins. Come on. No, definitely not saying that. Yeah. Not saying that. Um, but I don't know these shapers like I think they're um, a lot of these guys could be doing it a lot of different things yeah and I, I find that like that's the draw to, to doing this is um, you meet so many guys that are so passionate about surfing and they've molded their life around it and built a business around it and they're all really interesting characters yeah and you can you can find that in japan you can find it yeah and in spain and all over the world it's that's the similar vein running through these guys yeah. you know yeah we all share the love of surfing and getting 
you know, trying to get better. Well, you want to figure out how you can do it more and still keep your, your living, your, yeah. Your, yeah. your life going. What about wave pools? Have you surfed some wave pools? Yeah, so I've only been to Waco. Um, so fun. Super fun. So yeah. fun. And so that was a fun trip because that was our 25th year anniversary, and yeah. we took uh, – uh, we took seven shapers with us. And you guys did. Yeah, yeah we did. did uh, we took uh, the whole, you know, all the company, all the guys who surf in the company, and then we took the shapers and you know some of the guys that work for them. So we had Timmy and Scott there, and then so Tim cool. Stamps was yeah. there, and Matt and Mike were there, uh, and that was super fun. Yeah, that was super fun. Such a fun like waves, so fun. But the camaraderie, the, the, the it's like the best pool day ever, but you're surfing perfectly. Yeah, ground. everyone's heckling each yeah, other. Yeah, yeah. It was just, it I was haven't just like, been to Texas yet, but I can't wait. Yeah, it's, yeah. well, because it's like, I mean, I've heard about, I haven't been to the Kelly pool, but I hear guys talk about it when we were setting up. Would you get, I tell everybody, would you be bomb paddling out at like 54th Street on the best day of the year? No way, you'd be right. freaking pumped. Would right. you be bombed out surfing Rincon on the best day of the year? Like, those are the two variables, Yeah, yeah. you know? like. Some days I feel like this, some days I feel like, you know, but it's, it's, yeah. Plus zeros. Yeah. There's, there's variables. A lot of zeros, zeros, big difference in zeros, <laughs> and a big difference in wave count. Yeah. Yeah. You think you, you're, you surf for an hour, you got 20 waves. Dude, how's Stamps uh, getting to go to Surf French a lot because of Courtney? Dude, he's, he told me he's, like, surfed it so much, he's like, he doesn't even yeah. want to go back. Uh, that could. Dude, he's gone, <laughs> and it's just four people. Yeah. And, yeah. and one of them didn't even want to surf. Right? Yeah, I know. He told me all about that, where he's just yeah. like, he got so many waves, he just had to turn them down. Yeah. Um, I got a graduation today I got to yep. go to. I know. Hey. Um, I would talk for hours, and we'll have to maybe do a follow-up. We, yeah. I think we might have to do a follow-up, but what an incredible story. Um, it's funny that you didn't start surfing until pretty much college. Yeah. 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 And you're pretty... Pretty damn good surfer, you know. Yeah, I got my moments. Yeah, <laughs> and um, but yeah, what a what a cool story. I've learned a ton. Yeah, I have a headache now. I'm gonna quiz you. <laughs> I'm in it. My number, dude. Yeah. What's your number? What? what? <laughs> Small, medium, or large? Yeah, <laughs> I got that. Schmijim. Yeah, Schmijim. Um, but no, congratulations, and and, and again, I mean. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is, uh, I mean, super interesting. I know we're going to get a lot of great feedback and, you know, um, yeah, just keep putting out great products. Yeah, yeah I appreciate the time. I yeah. mean, like I said, I, I'm, I'm making it for us. Yeah. These fins that we make. Are yeah. For yeah. guys who like to surf. So. Dude, I'm going to have to try a bunch of new fins. I yeah. think you're going to have to. Now that I know, I, I've kind of unlocked the the door yeah. to a whole new world. I'm yeah. interested. <laughs> <laughs> Foil, well, man. Yeah. Thank you, Vince Turtle Longo. Yeah. Future fins. Surfers for surfing. Surfers. What was it? What's your What's your motto? Which one? Uh, he's motto? got a lot of them. Yeah. Company. Sur- buy surfers for surfing. Surfer. I don't know. I'm just talking now. <laughs> I like the scrambling. one I said earlier. Buy futures, say? bitch. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. Peace. Okay, Surfer. Thanks. Bonsai Bowls, hands down the best bowls, period. Seven locations, two in Hawaii, five in Southern California. Bonsai Bowls, go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill, 
clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You could also call them at 949-515-0909, calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen, the best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen, it's been around since the sun. Shade, Shade. Sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams for our awesome artwork and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.